Hi, this is Bruce Kulick, and you're listening to Shout It Out Loudcast with Tom and Zeus. These guys know Kiss inside and out. They freak me out all the time. You're going to enjoy it. The episode is epic. Oh, boy. Here we go. Boy. Pressing the button, Star Broker Simmons. Star? Paul Stanley. Is that what he does? Stop shouting. Hey, Bradley. He's not what you would call a handsome man. Oh, no, here come the kiss times. Is that a positive thing? Okay. All right. I'm going to grab me an ice cold mellow. Why? Why do that to the fan? Stop it. Why? Because the fuck That's all. Talking about 617 You do? Hey, fucko. Do you like Kiss? Settle down. Hello. Hey, what's up there, Kiss Army? Tom and Zeus with another episode of Shout It Out Loudcast, episode 175. Crazy Nights, album review time. Oh, yeah. And I'm staring at that beautiful glass cover of Crazy Nights. Nice thong, baby. Yeah. I'll I'll fight hell to hold you. Start with that shit already. Um, Tom, what's what's going on? Uh, nothing meant less than, uh, by the time people hear this less than two weeks to creatures fest. Woo. Is it? Yeah, it is. I, I might, I might want to prepare, huh? <laughs> we can't, dude, I can't keep track of anything. I can't believe it's May 11th. We're recording Wednesday, May 11th. I'm like, what the fuck? It's unbelievable. Ooh, snap. Yeah. Yep. Oh, snap is right. All right. Well, all right. Let's get to this episode. It ain't going to be short. No. So it won't be. Is it going to be as long as our new Zeppelin Chronicles that dropped this week too? Zeppelin Chronicles wasn't that bad. Tom was under three hours. How does four people talk about Led Zeppelin two in less time than three people talk about fucking heat? Because (laughs) we had to think of all the synonyms for this socks. (laughs) And who fucking picked this? (laughs) Nice. Yeah. And then read the fucking. Burner accounts on the uh, reviews for it afterwards. And oh, we got oh, there's plenty of burner accounts we'll be reading tonight. I think too. Oh yeah, burner accounts. Ooh, Ooh. gassy. Um, <laughs> all right, Tom. Last time we uh, did an episode, we talked about what? We talked about Poison's debacle of a cover of Rock and Roll All Night by Kiss. Oh. I'll tell you right now, the feedback is going to be rather quick because it was very similar. It was like, yeah, you're right. This sucks. No, this doesn't suck. Did you hear fucking Samson and Delilah's cover of fucking Parasite? No, we didn't. But the poll was, is this the worst cover? Yeah. 64% no, this worse. 36% said, hell yes. And then, of course, a lot of people chiming in with what's worse, like our buddy John Ristano saying shares cover of a world without heroes. This is a good one. Our buddy Ken and Satan service 
Pita Chris covered <laughs> send in the clowns. Oh, Jesus. But we got a we got multiple votes for Motley Crue doing like a virgin. And I'm going to be completely honest with you. I didn't even know that was a thing. Um, just thinking about that makes you go like, who the fuck came up with that idea? I didn't even know that was a thing. Many, many people said, have you listened to Toad the Wet Sprocket on Kiss Mask? Yes, we talked about that during the episode. Yeah, but that's a, like that's a, like the whole point of that was to come up with something different and, and a bunch of alternative bands from that era to do something. And that was my defense of them. Um, yeah, so, yeah, not the, fucking the Thompson twins doing fucking uh, uh, Harvester of Sorrow, right? Oh. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Human League doing Master of Puppets. <laughs> Spando Ballet doing fucking Peace Cells. <laughs> 80s New Wave goes thrash. <laughs> hey, look, we had fucking, uh, fucking Men at Work doing fucking <laughs> Symphony of Destruction. <laughs> Eddie Grant now. <laughs> Eddie Grant is Eddie Grant doing fucking raining blood. <laughs> oh, oh, what the fuck? <laughs> Five minutes in, already off track. Uh, then we got a lot of votes for Nirvana doing "Do You Love Me." That is horrendous. Yeah. That. That obscure Kiss cover album called Hard to Believe. I had that on CD. I bought that at Tower Records in Burlington, Massachusetts. The issue is I think they were doing it as a goof. I think so, too. Yeah, Kurt was a big Kiss fan, but that was a big goof. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it was a fun episode. We had a obviously we had a blast talking about it. And we love the fact that we got tons of people chiming in on comments agreeing with us we had some people saying i didn't even know that poison did rock and roll night thanks for ruining my life by t- telling me um yeah. so yeah th- those are some that's some some twitter stuff again it was a lot of back and forth about yes it's the worst no it's not have you heard this whatever so lots of comments and we loved every uh, we loved all of it so yeah on the book of face tom i'm gonna zip through some of these i can't get through all of them there was a ton of feedback yeah, it was great uh chris l of that's right Pod of Thunder. Yeah, Chris. Gotta be Everclear doing the boys are back in town. Oh, dude, the Heresy pod of, the, the pod of Thunder Nation. The pod of Thunder Boys hate Everclear. <laughs> I don't think that's that bad. Just thinking about the band and the song for them to do it. It's probably them toning down to do that song. Yeah, maybe. You know, they have similar styles. Yeah. Uh, Nicolino put a fucking <laughs> picture of a grown ass shack. <laughs> <laughs> and Alexa Bliss, who goes up to literally his ball sack. Oh, Jesus Christ. And that started a whole other conversation going on last week's episode. Uh, our buddy Kevin Jepson. Yeah, Kevin. Would you rather listen to this awful cover or be in the same room as Nina Hartley getting high on gaggles of cock? Oh, God. With those nasty snapper flaps. Oh, boy. Oh, pew. Gross. God almighty. Thank you, Kevin, for that visual. Thank you. Uh, Tony Smith asked, do you like poison? <laughs> and I replied, no. No. Um, Brad Rustaven gave us a nice long thing about it's not a good cover. It sounds well, I know Brad's kind of a fan of poison as well, though. Oh, oh by the way, by the way, real quick. 
the one thing about this episode, it really brought the Poison fans out of the woodwork. What are you yeah. talking about? This cover's great. Yeah. Brett Michaels sounds fantastic. Oh, God. Yep. Uh, Mike Murphy, me listening, Thomas Zeus, describe Nita, <laughs> Nina Hartley's treadless snapper flaps. What? Treadless. No tread uh, on those tires, baby. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Michaels, fucking Scott Clark, fucking... <laughs> Spencer Cook. Spencer Cook. Thank you. I never heard this cover. It's awful. <laughs> Great episode. Another unique topic. The last three weeks have been so good. Perfect example why Loudcast is the best Kiss music slash music podcast. All right. Thanks, buddy. That's awesome. Thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, yeah. Shit, I should have made him fucking comment of the week. Good God, that was an awesome one. That was good. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Mark Flores Music. We love him. Yeah, Mark. Uh, next time someone tries to sell you that Kurt Cobain destroyed hard rock, remember this track. Oh, <laughs> this is the one. kind of crap that was popular before Nirvana hit. Mm-hmm. This were rebellious rock and roll outcasts who were ready to fight and look at the fuck. Poison are the Care Bears. Oh, I love that. What a great description. Oh, he's fucking great. That's a good comment. Steven Stacy, my vote goes to Motley Crue's Jailhouse Rock. Oh, is I that a thing? That. Yeah, it is. It's bad. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Over on Loudcasters, Tom, mm-hmm. Michael Christopher says, anytime you guys dunk on poison like Sean Kemp in the 90s. <laughs> It's great listening. This song sucks, and so does Poison. Great show, guys. Oh, that's an f- awesome comment. Any kind of anytime we can get some '90s NBA reference in there, love it. Yeah, and then on addition that Brian Rule put a fucking gif of Sean Kemp dunking where his balls end up in someone's face. Dude, Sean Kemp fucking kicked ass in NBA Jam. Oh yeah, and he, then he got like became like 800 pounds and played himself out of the league when he got older. Don Logan put a photo of a young Nina Hartley. You know what I love about those comments? Those guys are listening to the show. I love that. Yeah, I love it. And Justin Steele says, couple thoughts. I never thought of it as a great version at the time, but I was just happy they did it because they're the hottest band around and people would talk about my favorite band, Kiss. I also knew they were big Kiss fans and were paying respect. I can't believe I'm going to agree with Pooney, but Native Tongue is a great album. Oh, oh boy. God. And Richie Cotson is incredible. Listen to Winery Dogs if you haven't. Those, are, those albums are actually good. I will. I, I think I agree with Justin. The Winery Dogs albums are good. And Justin ends with, lastly, Snapper Flaps. Oh, God. Wow. Woo! <laughs> All right. We're going to hop on over to YouTube. Jason Leonard, excellent episode. I really enjoyed the conversation. Great point about record store day. It always surprised me that Kiss or Universal isn't getting in on that gravy train. I go every year and drop some serious coin. I'm going to love to pick up some of my favorite band on RSD. Tom, sounds like we picked up a bunch of the same vinyl. Mr. Benante and AIC were must buys for me. Yeah. All right. Nice. Marty White. I have to be very careful writing this because my girlfriend who has a steroid problem built like Lou Ferrigno is next to me. When I was a kid, I thought Ricky Rocket was the hottest chick in rock. Oops, got to go. She wants to see what I'm writing. Mr. Antonio 2005 poison doing this cover in their 1987 glam rock style 
just doesn't match up well. As a trade-off, Ace Frehley just announced for his new album, Origins Volume 4, it will now include a cover of Poison's Talk Dirt to Me, not to be confused with Talk to Me, says Fraley as he chomps down on some Cracker Jacks. Dude, I love Ace, but those Origins albums, are those are a tough listen. In the days of my youth, I don't know what it means to be a man. Is that Robert Kraft singing Zeppelin? <laughs> I want a red balloon. We're going to be patriots, and we're all patriots tonight. Uh, Jason Ward, another great episode, fellas. Valid points. But to me, your mama don't think oh, worse. That is bad. That's really bad. At least really Rock bad. and Roll All Night or Original is a good tune. Poison actually made dance worse than the horrible original. Rock and Roll All Night fit the soundtrack fine. It was the 80s. Faith by Limp Biscuit remains the worst for me. Also appreciate the weight loss tip. Get COVID. <laughs> That's right. And then Jason Leonard also adds, that Beavis and Butthead stinger at the end ruled. Freaking hilarious. Nice. Hey, I think he's the guy who drives the food truck. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny B. Good. Poison can't even do a proper cover of themselves. And then, like you said, Tom, Dale Jones will end it with this. Worst cover song ever, Like a Virgin by Motley Crue. Yeah, a lot of people chiming in with that one. You got some emails? Yeah, we got a couple emails. We'll fly through here. Uh, let's see. Mike H., a good buddy here. Hello, guys. I mentioned this when you ARC'd a Poison album for some god-awful reason. But Poison had the privilege of opening for Kiss during the reunion tour. The stupid bastards closed their set with rock and roll all night. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> the stunned faces and dead sounds from the crowd said it all. It wasn't a show during a down period for Kiss either. It was the fucking reunion. Who advises these assholes? <laughs> oh, nice. Uh, our buddy Daniel LeBlanc uh, sent us a nice big long email. We love Daniel's. He, he had he chimed in with a couple of bad ones. A lot of votes for uh, Slayer covering Iron Butterflies in Agata DeVita. Uh, not many people like that one. And then he had some uh, funny things to say about the uh, that episode that we were the living color parody of LL Cool J. Mama said, knock you out. <laughs> That was great. Uh, our buddy Adam Stevenson. Love the episode. Hope this is the beginning of a new series. Uh-oh. Imagine that. We stopped picking up hot kiss covers. Talks about Coheed and Cambria doing Love Gun. I've heard that. It's really terrible. Um, I knew Poison covered Rock and Roll Night, but never listened to it until Tom posted about it the other day. I pulled it up on Spotify, made it 10 seconds before turning the trash off. Zeus nailed it, saying how thin the song sounded. Brett's voice didn't have the same weight that Gene brings. It sounded like a basement recorded by Mystery from the Detroit Rock City movie. Just terrible. Keep the laughs coming. Can't wait until next week for my favorite podcast. Yeah, Adam. Thank you. And then we got a couple of comments from our website, which is awesome. We love that you guys are going on there. Our buddy Nige. Uh, great episode, guys. I never heard the Poison cover of Rock and Roll Night. And holy fuck, it's bloody awful. There are pub bands in the remote Himalayan villages playing better versions than that. Um, then he gives his uh, kind of discussion about what makes a cover good and bad. Uh, great stuff from Nige. We love you, buddy. Uh, and then we got another one from our website from Eric Schwink. Uh, this week's episode was timely. I had recently been thinking you should all do an episode talking about the best and worst covers. 
Oh, well, that might be a future episode, Eric. Thank you. And thank you for uh, using our wonderful website, shoutoutloudcast.com. Robert Demler, do you like poison? No. <laughs> I discovered your podcast when I was trying to figure out the time frame that I originally lost interest in Kiss when I was a kid. The first episode I listened to was your review of Ace's solo album. I had never heard any of the solo albums. and was curious if Ace's lived up to the hype. After I listened to the episode, I thought, do these guys even like Kiss? (laughs) Uh, Then he continues, says, I've been listening to you guys for a while. and really enjoy your no BS take on things. I've also enjoyed learning about Kiss after I quit listening to them. Uh, I don't care for the music they produced after Love Gun, but I love getting to know the history. I look forward to new episodes. The recap of the previous week's episode is always funny as hell. Well, thank you, buddy. Um, and then he goes into kind of talking about poison in the rock and roll cover. Keep up the great work. Listening to your podcast is like hanging out with old friends who still find the same shit funny as when they were 13. Yes, that is awesome. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate that. Oh, and guess who this email is from, Zeus? No. Penelope Red. Oh, congrats on an episode that somewhat caught my interest. <laughs> There really shouldn't be much controversy about Poison putting out awful material. Why would them attempting a cover song be any different? It may well be the worst Kiss cover ever. I wouldn't know. But I wouldn't categorize as the overall worst. That award should go to Judas Priest for the horrendous rendition of Johnny Be Good. Not sure when the last time you did an actual Kiss album review or a member linked to, to Kiss. You should probably focus on that. Thank you, Penelope Red our production manager and you're happy now. Cause now we're doing an, an album review. You're right. You got what you want. You bitch, even though you're fake. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Pony. Um, actually that song's not bad. I liked it. And back in high school, I remember when Johnny be good from Judas priest is a fucking heavy version of it. Okay. All from right. the movie, Johnny be good where I couldn't get into it because I can't see the nerd from Be- breakfast club. And fucking Russ from uh, oh yeah, being all of a sudden now in, in from weird science, also now being the quarterback and the yeah. cool kid, brutal. Yeah, I, uh, we got a great email from our buddy Scott Wheeler getting hyped up about uh, Creatures Fest and all that stuff. Believe me, we're going to get into it. And he actually sent us a picture of him when he met Peter, so that's really cool. We're excited for that. Yeah, there's going to be plenty to talk about for that. Then Zeus, we were talking about this before we started recording. Our buddy David Gann is really fixated on the Ava Gardner taking a shit story. (laughs) He sent us two messages on our website, posted on Facebook. He's like doing research material on whether or not. Where is it? Where did you get it? I couldn't find it. I was intrigued by the talk about Ava Gardner taking a crap in a hotel lobby. I tried researching the subject. All I could find was that she urinated in the foyer of the Hotel Ritz in Madrid. And haven't we done that all once or twice? <laughs> then he goes, could you clarify what you know about this? It's very important. <laughs> <laughs> oh, loud then, oh, wait, are awesome. then he sends another message and says she was barred from the hotel Ritz for peeing. But then life was an exhausting round of insomnia, booze, forced gaiety, mood swings, tantrums, and being driven around by a chauffeur while consuming a thermos of gin in the back of a car. The article is very interesting. I think you would enjoy her comment about Sinatra's cock. <laughs> what the fuck, man? Jesus. Yeah, I know. It's something like he weighs 140 pounds and 
and and uh, and a hundred of it's is his cock something oh, like that i remember yeah. unbelievable um and then we got a uh we got a really nice um oh and just for the record i just pointed him where i got that information and that was from the bill maher uh club whatever the fuck he has his new podcast called where he talked about it with william shatner that's right and shatner is the one who said it to him yeah so i i gave him a link to that and said have at it enjoy the shit talk yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and let's see. We'll finish up our feedback with this one from Chad Copeland, not the Chad Copeland from Police Academy. I'm <laughs> Copeland, sir. Chad Copeland. Hey, guys, been listening for two years now. It was mentioned a few episodes ago. I don't know who saved Kiss, but you guys definitely saved Kiss podcasts. I have listened to Kiss in all other music podcasts for the past eight years. And at this point, many of them have become stale. Shout it out loudcast is different, fun, irreverent, and a breath of fresh air. Thank you both. I'll keep listening. If I ever need to smile, I will just think of Zeus in line at Disney World. It's not the line. It's, it's the, the end. It's the end of that. Yeah. And that is from Chad in West Texas. And he says, P.S. I'm 49 years old and Hot in the Shade is by far my favorite Kiss album. I never understood the hate it got from Kiss fans. I love it now, just like I did. 33 years ago, probably why I love listening to you guys so much. Chad Copeland from West Texas. Awesome email. Thank you, buddy. We appreciate you taking the time for those awesome comments. Glad you're enjoying the show. And you, my friend, are comment of the week. Good answer. Good answer. Like the way you think. I'm going to be watching you. Thank you, Chad. Yeah. Awesome. Love it. Awesome. Awesome. Did we save Kiss Podcast? I don't know. If he says we did, then maybe we did. I don't know. Well, I, I can know. tell you, you guys are fucking saving us because you listeners are kicking ass. That's continuing awesome. our fucking incredible ride ever since that uh, the uh, Paul versus radio chick thing. We've been on a high like never before. Oh, my so- God. That's right. Yeah, and so right. continuing the number one KISS podcast ranking. Thanks to you guys. So, yeah, we've been uh, on a fucking roll. And uh, thank you guys again for making us the number one KISS podcast out there, guys. You guys kicking ass. Amazing. You guys rock. Oh, and the other part to this is it's not only the number one KISS podcast. We're also one of the top now we're getting into the rankings, the top rankings in music. That's right. overall, yep. not just music commentary, but music overall. Love it. Thanks to you guys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we're going to pivot for a quick second to a new advertiser we have. And it is a website called boldfoot.com. It is a family and veteran owned company that make socks. And they make really cool, kick-ass socks. All crazy designs, crazy colors. They're 100% American-made. They Their motto that they like to brag about is grown here, sewn here. It's a family and veteran-owned company. 5% of all the proceeds to every purchase goes to veteran-organized charities. Check them out. It's boldfoot.com. Uh, we each have a pair of their socks. They're comfortable. They're awesome. They offer a guarantee. They got wild colors, wild designs. Plus, you're supporting an American company that's owned and operated 
buy a family, buy veterans, and proceeds go back to them. Check them out, boldfoot.com, grown here, sewn here. Yeah, cool. Maybe we can get Ace to wear his socks and uh, take a fucking photo of them. What do you think? Perfect. There you go. Absolutely. Yes, boldfoot.com. What's the fucking name of that sock company again? Because I got some fucking ones right now that got holes in them. And then the other pair, I fucking dropped a deuce and he fucking <laughs> stepped on it. And it's got some little shit stains on the bottom of my socks. Boy, Ace, he's going to be a fucking disaster in Nashville. <laughs> Hook me up with some cracked jacks and a diet slice. They even make slice anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I have the image in my head that he likes outdated things. Like he doesn't know they're not around anymore. Right. What about a fucking tab? You guys got any of that moxie? Shit's fucking great. Or those fucking little red fucking cough syrup things I oh. used to slice the fucking drop those in my vodka bottles. <laughs> I I like Ludens. Ludens I, I call Ludens. them Ludels. But I also like those kind of Smith brothers <laughs> to like little fucking cherry candies. I would curse take a bottle of Flintstone vitamins and smash them up. And fucking do lines of them while while taking a funnel of vodka. You never got high until you sniffed a Pebbles Flintstone vitamin up your left nostril. Fucking amazing. If you're fucking smart about it, you can even take those little and then put a tube in your ass. You'll get real high fast. Hold on, slow down. You guys are giving me great ideas. Let me write this shit down. Somebody said something about Flintstones. I'm fucking watching them now. I got socks. (laughs) Betty's hot. I was just paid as an extra on the new Muppet movie. All right, we got to move on. Tom, one of the people that really like our stupid sense of humor are our Patreon subscribers and fans and listeners. Patreon is where people can join, part become part of a, an exclusive club of Shout It Out Loudcast. And uh, they, uh, they can join by joining different tiers. Different tiers have different things that we offer. Uh, some are T-shirts, some are stickers, some are appearances some are voting on things some are involvement on other issues uh one of the big thing right now is we got all the votes in and we've calculated what the next arc album review pick will be because of the patreon people um they're always involved we appreciate them their uh support to us really goes a long way for the show we got that brand new website Thanks to Patreon and specifically one person's particular. Uh, we've got uh, mics. We've got Zooms. We've got all sorts of stuff. Thanks to Patreon. And that stuff and that contribution is a big help to us. So if you like our show and you want to help us out, there's four different tiers. Take a look. See if you like anything. And then come join the fun. Um, you can find it on the 
our awesome new website if you go to our website. And you can also find it on the Patreon app. And in addition to that, also on the uh, uh, Patreon.com. That's a great way to support the show. Also, we have our Amazon links on our website. You can support the show there by purchasing things directly from there. That helps the show. All these things are big help to us, and we can't thank you guys enough. We love our Patreon family, and uh, we hope that you guys will continue. And all our new Patreon subscribers, welcome. Absolutely. You guys kick ass. Patreon members, you keep us alive. You keep the show going. Your contributions are amazing. We can't thank you enough. Like Zeus said, you check us out on the website, patreon.com. Download the app. And uh, we want to give a special shout out to one of our super fans of the show and a big super fan. Yeah, that's you're right. That's reserved. But he is a big fan. Of the, I'll call him okay. big fan. Maybe you not. You can't super call fan. anybody super fan because. Okay. All right. Big fan. Okay. That's reserved. Big fan of the show and a Patreon supporter. That's our buddy, Jeff Kinsley. We want to give him a shout out because he just posted on his Facebook page that he has been named the new bass player for a metal band called the Saints of Death. And he's really excited. They posted something announcing that he's going to be the new bass player. He retweeted it or or shared it and said that he's honored to be part of the group. So we're proud of Jeff. He's a proud member of Patreon and a proud member of the Loudcasters. And we want to throw it right back at it and say that we're happy for you, buddy. Rock on. Good luck with Saints of Death. Nice. Great job, Jeff, man. Congrats. Awesome. Tom, we're going to jump and skip on over to uh, Kiss World and find out what's going on over there. All right. A couple things going on right now. They're back in the United States after their South American tour. As we're recording uh, today on May 11th, they're in Milwaukee. Uh, so they're back in the U.S. for a couple shows. So that's big news. But there's a couple of um, other big things that were announced, and it was confirmed that there will be a second Kiss Cruise. Yeah, that's uh, that's uh, not not something that we'll talk about it further because yeah, I want to get on to this uh, the review for this yeah. album. But I'm not a fan of it. I know it's it's been kind of polarizing and some people love it and other people are like, why are you so jealous? It's not a fucking jealousy thing. It's you're telling me that we got to pick first. We got our plan and we planned the time out and now we're going to get a tired kiss band. What if the fucking what if there's another outbreak during that one and then ours gets canceled because somebody gets COVID? We're fucked. So we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna say like Zeus said we're gonna save a lot of the extra commentary yeah, on that. This, so. this is just some of the reason yeah. why I think so. Yeah, if you want to do a second Kiss cruise? Do it six months later. Yep, yep. Even though you shouldn't have done it at all when you told us that was the last. Yep, agreed. Uh, and then uh, it was announced last week um, that kind of Gene let the cat out of the bag. There is going to be a Creatures of the Night box set Woo-hoo! to celebrate the 40th anniversary of the album uh in november uh said gene says it will promising that the set will include demos and behind the scenes stuff calling it an expanded box set version now i'm not going to say that i'm not happy about that even though i'm not the super fan of creatures of the night sorry can't use it beep 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 <laughs> red <laughs> alert yeah even though I'm not the big fan of Creatures of the Night that everybody else is like my friend and co-host here, but I get it. Um, 
I don't know. I mean, I know the 30th anniversary of Revenge is coming up. I know we're not going to get a box set for that. The 45th anniversary of Love Gun is coming up. For fuck's sake, if you're going to do a box set, do that. But that's just coming from me as a Love Gun diehard. But uh, no, it's cool that they're even talking about another box set. I'm glad that the Destroyer thing wasn't a one-off. So uh, that's exciting. A Kiss was supposed to be doing a grand opening for a Rock and Brews casino in Oklahoma. Unfortunately, as Paul tweeted the other night, he said uh, on Twitter, to all those in Brahman, Oklahoma, our pilot has told us that the heavy winds and reported wind shear make it unsafe to fly. So we can't be at the grand opening of our Rock and Brews Casino. Apologies. We look forward to celebrating with you all during our end of the world tour. So translation, we didn't feel like going to fucking Oklahoma for the grand opening. So we're blaming a fucking windstorm on it. I don't know. I'm just making that up. I don't know. So there is another Rock and Brews opening up. And um yeah, that's about it. The tour's back. They're back in the United States. So uh, let's see what happens from there. Yeah. On a shout out loudcast news, uh, Tom, you were recently on uh, uh, Ridiculous Rock Records reviewing Bad Company's debut. Hell yes. Yes. Love those guys. Love Aaron Martell and Lou was so happy that they asked me on their show. Um, I love Bad Company. I love that album. Great guys. Great show. Um, and Zeus, you were also on a show yourself. Yeah, they all seem to come out around the same time. Yeah. So I was on the Potter Than Hell episode where we reviewed a bunch of songs from the 80s. That was a lot of fun with Steve and crew over in Potter Than Hell because those guys are are probably are one of our closest, if not the closest uh, friends, podcast friends that we got. Absolutely. And another one of our close, close podcast friend was our buddy Baco. And I was on his sidecast and we talked about everything. From politics to kiss to to take it up the bum, baby. If that's the way you want it, baby. And uh, we had I had a blast with him. Um, He's he's an awesome, funny guy and another Pantheon brother. I also, Tom, got to see and I posted it today. Our buddy Mike Shue, a legend in Boston for radio. And he uh, he's also on Pantheon. He does the uh, uh, the Neil Young podcast. Long may you young. Yep. And uh, and we had fun. I saw him at the Worcester Red Sox, the minor league team for the Boston Red Sox. My daughter performed with her band, the uh, national anthem there. And he was there. And I got to hang with him for the first time. Another big, big Boston guy. Fucking awesome. awesome. That was yeah. great. And we were also lucky enough and uh, excited to be to be on another podcast part of the Pantheon family. But as of now, the episode hasn't dropped. So we don't want to spoil anything in case. We don't want to steal their thunder. So keep an eye out for that. You, If you haven't gotten your fill of us on our own show, get ready. We're on other shows. We love it. And we're so grateful to be part of those other shows as well. Yeah, there's a lot going on at Shout It Out Loudcast. And we're going to try to get all this shit done prior to the big trip for Creatures Fest. Again, a reminder, if you're going to be there, find us. Take a photo with us. Wear your Shout It Out Loudcast gear. We want to see you guys and, and hang. and. uh you know, share a beer. Let's go. It's going to be an insane weekend. So please, if you're going, let us know so we can hook up. It's going to be it's going to be insane. We'll be there from that Thursday to Monday. That's right. Yeah. And they actually just dropped another email while we've been talking, Tom. Mm-hmm. They got a bunch of things coming up. So keep on listening. Uh, Neil Davis is constantly updating stuff, constantly putting stuff out there. And the big thing he dropped early this week is that Bruce, Vinny and Ace will be performing together. First time be, ever. It's going to be incredible. This is like the closest thing to Kiss 
doing crazy shit that we have. And uh, I, I, I think it's a once in a lifetime, specifically because the age and Peter's going to be there. I mean, come on, you guys yep. got to go. Absolutely. Yep. So, so anyway, Tom, let's uh, take a quick break and uh, see if I can char off all the guck off of Ace's feet and uh, give him some new socks. Hey, Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain here. You caught me just finishing up some editing on Getting Real with John and Beth. I want to share my first experience with Factor Meals for you. I think you'll find this interesting because I bet the same thing happens to you. I had just received my first shipment from Factor Meals the other day, and I was excited to try one of the prepared restaurant-quality meals for myself. Anyway, I was working away and noticed it was very late, and it was my night to make dinner. I jumped up and headed to the kitchen, went to grab the ingredients for the dish I was going to make, and realized I was missing a prime ingredient. Well, I could make a run to the store, or I could make one of my new factor meals. <laughs> Actually, the choice was easy. I grabbed a cavatappi, an Italian-style pork ragu with garlic broccoli, heated the oven per instructions, and minutes later was enjoying a very delicious, nutritious, and dietitian approved meal. It really was everything Factor Meals said it would be. No prep, no mess meals. Factor Meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. Take it from me and head to factormeals.com slash Pantheon50 and use the code Pantheon50 to get 50% off. That's factormeals.com slash Pantheon50 and use the code Pantheon50 to get 50% off. Hey, Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain again with something every podcast listener and music junkie needs to hear. As I'm sure you can guess, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I also listen to a lot of music, so having high-quality headphones and earbuds are absolutely critical to my day. Oh, and I have numerous pairs. In fact, I have a junk drawer of used devices that have bitten the dust, so I've tried them all. Recently, I was sent a pair of earbuds by Raycon, and the first thing I noticed was the cost. Uh, Looks like their products are about half the price of other premium brands. Okay, that's cool. And the reviews seem pretty stellar. Okay, checks that box. So I got my Raycon Everyday Earbuds, a nice packaging to open, and what I immediately noticed were the pack of ear tips for sizing. Uh, I'll tell you, I have small ear canals. Uh, I know, a flaw. So to see choices for the best fit, uh, especially while exercising, uh, oh yeah. And yes, they were immediately comfortable. Sound quality was great too. Plus I have three EQ options that I love because I like more bass in my music and less in the podcasts. Eight hours of playtime for the battery is great as well. Surround sound, noise canceling, and awareness mode all included. I think I'm in business, and I just realized I've had them in all day. Like I said, super comfortable. Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. American Criminal is a new true crime podcast from the studio behind American Scandal and American History Tellers. Every week, you'll fall deeper into the riveting stories of the country's most clever, craven, and cruel criminals. Fraud, theft, murder, and worse. Whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the whole story until now. 
the debut season tackles one of the most sensational cases of the 20th century, the Menendez murders. In 1989, young Lyle and Eric Menendez brutally shot their own parents. Prosecutors and the press said it was a multi-million dollar inheritance that led two greedy rich kids to murder. But the picture-perfect facade this Hollywood family built hid troubling abuse. Could these teenagers have been driven to kill? Or was it even in self-defense? Listen now. Go to AmericanCriminal.com or search for and follow American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we're back. I was uh, busy at work helping Paul find a new thong for the remastered cover of Crazy Night. So, Ooh. Oof. Paul, over here, over here, wear one of my thongs I have for you, please. <laughs> Jesus, super love it. Anyway, Tom, album review time. I know we don't do these very often anymore, and I love it. And you know why? Because we get the fucking put everything we can in our energy into it and do a great job of fucking breaking shit down. The minutia. Shout it out loud, Castile. And there's a lot of going ons with this album. So this will be a fun one. Yeah. The last album review we did was, I believe, Love Gun in yep. the beginning of the year. That's right. So yep. crazy nights. We're talking the 80s. No makeup. So I know it's not everybody's favorite, but this album is important. And I know it's polarizing. And as we always do, we start with. How did you come into the album? I'll start with this one. Uh, so this is a unique album for me in my in my history as a fan here is that I'm going to be honest with you. I don't really have any nostalgic connection to this. I, I don't recall when I bought it. Um, the only memories I had at the time were the title track, Crazy Nights and Reason to Live because of the video. In 1987, I wasn't, there was so much going on with music at this time with MTV and with hair metal. Uh, and, you know, still some of the other harder rock bands were still around, obviously, you know, uh, Judas Priest and Iron Maiden, Metallica, of course, had just recently put out Master of Puppets, Tesla, Def Leppard, Bon Jovi, all those things. So there was so many things to choose from. And at the time, I was like, ah, eh, Kiss, you know, the Crazy Nights, that's okay. Reason to live, eh. I mean, I obviously I have it in my collection. We'll get into that, but I don't really have any memory about buying it and putting it on and hearing it for the first time. Um, it's an album, to be honest with you, that probably within the last 20 years, I've probably gotten closer to than in, in the first 20 years of it being uh, in existence. What about you, Booger? <laughs> <laughs> um, so crazy nights. I'm the opposite of Tom. Okay, good. So I was already into Kiss by now. I got right back into Kiss. I was into hair metal. I'm buying Hit Parader. I'm buying Circus. At this point, Kiss is back to being my favorite band in my band because I had the nostalgia of I used to love these guys a long time ago. I mean, I would say maybe Bon Jovi was close at that time. But Kiss also had Asylum Out, Animal Eyes, I had already gone to Detroit and saw my cousin who had animalized live on and got me back into them. This was the first time that I remembered as being a fan of kiss that I was waiting for an album to come out and anticipating. I've wow. never had that before. Really? Yep. Because okay. when I got into kiss again, asylum was already out. 
So I knew this was coming because I was now buying the magazines and I remembered everything from the beginning. There's this new album coming out and it's called who dares wins. That's Mm -hmm. how much I remember the magazine. And that was the, you know, the going title at the time. And I remember all the feedback and Paul saying, yeah, this is going to be like some of our older material, like destroy it. I I mean, I I wish I could count how many times he said, but he probably wasn't saying that in the eighties though much. Yeah. 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 But I remember him saying this. And so when he came out, I bought it that day. Mm -hmm. I listened to it. I liked it. um, And I got into it right away. And so again, my first kiss album that I knew was coming and waited for it and went and bought it. So I do have some nostalgia for this album. Okay. I mean, think about it too. I mean, this is 1987, the probably big crescendo of hair metal and stuff. I think that's, yeah, that's the thing. There was so much going on with it, with MTV and headbangers ball and the radio and record stores. And like you said, circus and hit parade we were listening to so many different things at that time. I'm like, Oh, kiss crazy nights. That's a good song. Reason to live. Eh, you know, whatever. Like I wasn't engrossed in kiss at that I, time. I, you know, yeah, I was at this point, okay. I was right back into them. And you know, they also had the MTV most requested videos and they yeah. were up there for this. So yep. this was a big deal. Okay. So next thing we do, we get into the cover. Ugh. Jeez. All right, go ahead. Dude, this first of all, the, the the album title is fucking dumb. Crazy Nights is fucking stupid. The album covers ridiculous. I mean, it's famous for the back cover with Paul and his fucking blue thong. I mean, it's the broken glass with all the pictures, and Paul's got his fucking little tank top on, and of course, Paul and Gene are on the bottom, so you can see them. And poor Eric and Bruce are at the top, flipped upside down. Back cover has the 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 you know the studio sh- shoots. They look you know it's 1987. Paul looks absurd. I mean, he looks like he hasn't eaten a meal in a month. He's got that hairy chest, which is bonkers. But it's Paul Stanley 80s. Um, it's not it's not great. It's not great. I mean, we can get into some facts of the covers from our uh, favorite book, you know, behind the mask. But you know, w- what are your thoughts about what we're looking at here? Well. I like the fact that they're back to the four faces and four images on a cover. I, I mean, it's a theme of Kiss albums, right? Yeah. Yeah. How many times have they done that? Have they yep. put the four kind of iconic images. Um, you know, they're not in makeup, so they got to do something. A cracked mirror, okay. But, you know, crazy nights in a cracked mirror, I don't get it, but that's okay. Gene looks the same in this fucking photo shoot. In every video and every fucking concert from that era. Yep. Yeah, I think he wore that same fucking leather outfit throughout this. Yep. Uh, Eric looks normal. Paul looks like he's starting to wear wrestling gear. Oh, the Everlast tank tops. Yeah, yeah. And the the fucking tights. Yeah. Tights. I I wear the required uniform. (laughs) Tights. Yeah. Eric uh, looks normal. He looks good. Uh, Bruce looks kind of normal, but there's no need for that fucking uh, bowl tie. Oh yeah, it's yeah. It's, it's. <laughs> then let's go into the middle. They have a a pose here, and if you go, this is now almost two years later. Remember, they were releasing albums almost every fucking year for God knows how long. Yep. It's the first time. There's two years between Asylum, eighty five, and this in eighty seven in September. Yep. yep. And think of the image and the clothes. The difference in two years from two that years. to this. 
and huge. This is, and this is, and you were just holding it up. This is also the introduction of the Chikara logo Correct. On, the, on the album artwork and on Eric's drums. Yeah. And then we got to talk about the fucking thong. It's like, like it's, the, it is. First of all, that on its face is just ridiculous. The fact that he's clearly showing it off. He's got his thumb flipping the jeans down so you can see it. But he has so much hair on his chest <laughs> and he's so skinny. Like he looks like the scene in E.T. when they find him in the river and he's all fucking <laughs> shriveled up and half dead. He's like so skinny, hasn't eaten a meal in a month. And he's got that mane of hair like an animal. Like, I, I will say this. It's okay. insane looking. It, you, you forgot to talk about the big safety pin that he's got. In oh, geez, I, I know. Come, there's so much to look at. I just I, I will say this for him. He can oh, pull it off. He can. Of course. He, he looks abs- good. He's in he great a- shape. Absolutely. So I look at this as there are certain women that are like, that's fucking disgusting cheesiness. But then there are certain women that are like, love that Burt Reynolds, Magnum P.I. hairy chest, mustachioed hair. Yeah. Man. Like, that's a real man. And he's in great shape. He's defined here and stuff. And he looks like, I think he looks good. And, but just the fucking cheesiness of the thong dude it, it's Again, the, the, if the, i could pull that off and you, you would not see it, hey, you would you would, i wouldn't you would but he can pull this off but it is so like <sighs> like it's just but you're right it's 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 of the time it's 87 it's of the time you know but paul can look back and be like Look at me back. Look how fucking great shape I was in. And yeah. he's still in great shape. I'm not oh, going to be yeah. wrong. Of course. Yeah. But there are chicks that fucking probably love this. And yeah. Drool over this. And there is a super fan that probably is, too. Yeah. But the chicks who love this, then they, they, they named Nina Hartley. Yeah. <laughs> and it reminds me of, oh, you silly, heady man. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Let's make love, you silly, hairy little man. <laughs> anyway, the lyrics are in here as well, which I love. Yep. Okay. Yep. And again, this is the last of the remastered um, CDs that came out. They didn't do Hot in the Shade when the remasters started getting done over again. That's right. Yeah. And, and sp- speaking of the artwork, let, let's get into a couple of funny lines here from behind the mask. So Dennis Woolock, the guy who was kind of the art designer yeah. for this, he said, Paul came to me and said, I want you to try something with pictures in a broken mirror. He says, I thought the idea sucked. <laughs> he goes, I've been given some poor ideas in the past that I had to take and make look good. Um, he said, we had photos of the band reflected into a broken mirror that was on the ground. We stood up on a great big mirror and shot straight down. The ones that I did initially had the mirror shattered in a billion pieces and their faces reflected a billion times. Sharp pieces that were jagged and dangerous looking. And I love that. But Paul didn't like it because, quote, well, you can't see my face. Oh. And, he, and he made me make sure everybody's face size was equal. So we had to go back and get equal pieces of broken glass and tilt them and reflect them. So there was two thirds of Paul's face and two thirds of Gene's face. <laughs> I mean, what the fuck, Paul? Come on, dude. 
Wow. Oh, yikes. So, yeah, a couple of you were talking about some background stuff. The CD being the last one remastered. Um, yeah. So let's get into the facts. Crazy Nights released September 21st, 1987. So, like we said, a couple of years um, since Asylum, at least. We literally so, just started our freshman years of high school. Yeah. And it shot up to number 18. Yep. Okay. Yep. Uh, and went platinum in the United States. That's pretty amazing for Kiss in 1987 to go platinum. I mean, that that's that's impressive at that time. Yeah, because uh, at the time, if you think about it, how difficult it was for them to try to not be the older guys trying to get into the young club. Exactly. And, yep. and still come out with a, a top 20. Do you know how hard it must have been for them to get to that and be like, you know what? We were so huge. Yep. And now we're just a fucking joke. And then to yeah. build, it's like vanilla ice coming back and getting himself a career. Yeah. I wouldn't call them that much of a joke. Like, but you know what I mean? Somebody that was considered like, oh, so over, like no one likes him anymore. Well, and it was also, it was also too, I, I think at this time too, throughout many points in their career, right? They also had like that authenticity problem. Where a lot of people like Kiss, oh, oh yeah, they, they're trying to be Def Leppard, they're trying to be Bon Jovi. Well, no, they had fans. The thing sold a fucking million copies. So, but I mean, the diehards loved it, but it also pulled in a, a bunch of people who were listening to that style of music in '87. So you could say that Kiss were followers, which they were, but for this particular album, it worked for them at that time. Yeah, and if you think about it, for them to get back up to platinum, that's fan fucking. It is. It's amazing. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Crazy Nights, which went to 18, is actually the highest charting album for Kiss in the 80s. That's a little bit surprising only because of the success of Hot in the Shade with Forever and Hide Your Heart and Rise to It. But again, Crazy Nights, the video and Reason to Live, the single in the video, were they, they were huge at that time. So but but that is that it's still a little a little surprising for sure. Yeah, I mean, lick it up is is you know them taking the makeup up th- that went platinum. Yep. Uh, Animal Animalize had Heavens on Fire. You would have thought that that song yeah. itself would have carried that between Animalize Asylum. I think lick yeah. it up. They're all like 19, 20, 21, 22. Yeah. Like you yep. know, so they're all close. But Crazy Nights technically went the highest at number eighteen. Yep. It went to number four in the UK, and we'll get into that. This album, for some reason, is fucking like in the song title is huge in the UK. So, oh, yeah, absolutely. Now, it was produced by Ron Nevinson, mm-hmm. who was famous at the time because he was starting to produce uh, like Ozzy's Ultimate Sin, Hearts album in 85, which was fucking huge. Um, he, they, dude, he, uh, go dude, ahead. Dude, he, he worked on physical graffiti. Yeah. Zeppelin. I mean, for fuck's sake, this guy's working on crazy nights. He worked on Zeppelin's physical graffiti. The who's quadrophenia. I mean, yeah. incredible shit. This guy did. It's all more, but it was engineering stuff, but still. Oh, no, no, I know. Yeah, but but just and your favorite, Tom. He also did the first three albums about uh, bad company. That's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah, he's been up for producer of the year. He's been nominated for several Grammys. So they thought, let's let's get him and he will help us. Yep. And he did change the sound. I will say that. But uh you know, that's what they decided to go to, like, get an outside guy. Yeah. And they, and they made a distinct decision to go 
in that pop direction. They had to. They saw what they saw what was selling. They saw what was going on with MTV with the songwriting. Uh, you know, we had the great Adam Mitchell on not too long ago talking about the songs that he wrote, um, the work that he did with with Desmond Child on this. Like the 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 flavor of the month or the flavor of the year or the time period was that that pop oriented upbeat music that Gene Simmons is on record as saying he didn't like it. He said it was much too happy. He said, let's have a good time. I love you. Makes me want to wretch. I think the playing is okay, but it's too pop. Said it was one of his least favorite records of any that we have done. Wow. Yeah. Interesting comments from Gene. And we'll get, well, when we get in, when we get into the track by track, that's even those comments are even more ironic. Yeah, and I think that's a, the part of the problem that probably had some issues is the fact that his schedule was tight. That's what the delay was for the two years. That's right. Want, and Paul really wanted to work with him. Yep. I don't think Gene was there, and Gene and him kind of butted heads. And there's a lot of talk about, you know, between the two of them of, you know, I didn't like his style, and Ron was saying that all Gene did is sit in the back of the studio reading Variety magazine. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Um, so there was some tension there. Yep. And uh, unfortunately, uh, the, the, you know, the, that was a one and done with Ron Nevison. I don't know. Maybe it's fortunate. Depends yeah. on where you come on this album. Yeah. Um, it's their 14th studio album. It's the second with what I would call the Asylum Eric Kiss. Yeah. Uh, that band of Eric Carr and Bruce Kulik. It's the last, like we said, of the remastered series. Um, Phil Ashley plays keyboards on this. Um, Tom Kelly does some backing vocals. I was like, who the fuck is Tom Kelly? Apparently he wrote that awesome song fire and ice with Pat Benatar. Isn't he also the manager of the Minnesota twins in like 1987 <laughs> at this time? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> well, not him per se, but there was no, Tom yeah, Kelly. Yeah. 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 Um, and so, and during this time, there's also the story, and we talked a little bit about this when we've mentioned it before with Eric Carr. This is the part, and it's in Paul's book, Face the Music, that him and Eric Carr started having problems. And yeah. Eric started stopped speaking to him during the tour. And then yep. Paul said, you know, and I don't know who's right or wrong, but at some point, Paul's like, you know, probably like, dude, I'm the fucking boss here, and I'm not dealing with this fucking feeling like shit because you're not talking to me crap. So you're going to fucking put an end to this shit. And uh, apparently they they cleared the air. But Paul had a kind of set Eric straight. And uh, and a lot of it had to do if you read Paul's book, because we never really got the account from Eric uh, about, you know, Eric was just obsessed. The fact that he wasn't the original drummer and uh, which I don't know, stayed with him for a while. Paul insinuated Eric was drinking more and maybe doing drugs or something, which is not really cool since he's not there to defend himself. And I don't know when the last time Paul talked about it, but this is kind of the stuff that was going around when Paul wrote his book in 2014. Yeah, that that's the problem I have. I mean, I don't like when people make these kinds of allegations and the person is not around to respond to defend themselves saying, saying that Eric Carr had started to drink more and been doing drugs, which may have been causing his unhappiness. And saying that he was obsessing over not being the original drummer, which went back to the 1980 Australian to like things like that. That's just ugly shit from Paul that I fucking hate. No I hate. 
I, yeah, I hate that. It's so nasty and petty. And you know that God bless Eric, that he's not around to talk about it and refute it or, or comment on it. And I just hate that. It, it, it's, it's just, a, it's an ugly, it's an ugly kind of comment. You know, I think sometimes, and I'm not sure about this, and this is just Monday morning quarterbacking. And you know, this is what we do here on this show. Yeah. We shit on pandemic Paul. We love Paul Stanley, the rock God and the star child, but yeah, pandemic Paul gets to us. And I think a little bit has to do with the fact that over the years, Eric is so beloved. Yep. No one ever heard a bad thing about him. And it, and the way it ended in the stories about how, you know, maybe kiss did him wrong. Paul keeps trying to cut him down a little bit to be like, uh-uh, he's not the fucking yeah. God and infallible hero that you guys all made him out. He's a good guy, but he had his fucking issues too. And yeah. I think he likes to like put him, bring him down to size a little bit. And, uh, you know, doesn't want to be like known as like the bad guy all the time. So he kind of wants to put that shit out there a little. Yeah. I don't know. A couple of interesting things about this album in this era. I thought this was interesting. Um, they said when the album was released, a, a relatively high number of these songs were performed live on the tour. Yeah. Um, and they said only Crazy Nights was retained in Hot in the Shade. Then it was dropped and then brought back later on for the Sonic Boom Over Europe tour. And they said, statistically speaking, Crazy Nights is one of the least represented albums in the entire catalog in terms of live set list, yeah. only, behi- only behind music from the elder and Carnival of Souls. That is incredible that you have an album that went platinum and you don't touch it in your set list. Stunning to me to read that. Yeah, we could go on and on and on about that stuff because it's ridiculous. Of course. But obviously, Carnival Souls gets the worst treatment. It was never. I don't think it's. Has any song been played from that? I have no idea. Never, never. Um, no, but, no. But yeah, they don't. The one thing Paul does mention is like because of this tour and the, the amount of new songs and 80s type music, they changed their philosophy the following tour and started going retro when hot in the shade came out. That's right. Changed the set list. Yep. And maybe that's when they were like, you know what? We got to go back to bringing some of the classics back. Yep. And Zeus, you, but you mentioned it earlier, how the, the, one of the reports that you read in, whether it was circus or hit parade, said that the new album was going to be called who dares win, Mm -hmm. who dares wins. And uh, that was actually Eric Carr's idea. He said he had seen it. Uh, a wardrobe girl had a commando patch and it said, who dares wins it. And they kind of all agreed that it was kind of a cool title for the album, but they ended up not going uh, with it. But it's interesting because who dares wins is actually a pretty popular crazy nights, live bootleg uh, album title. They, the, there's an, there's a bootleg called who dares wins. And it's uh, from the 87 crazy nights tour. the album cover is similar to the studio album, but it's got more pink, to it less of the black and blue on it that was kind of interesting another title that had been thrown around was was condemnation which is also interesting because there's a bootleg out there called condemnation condom like <laughs> like 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 the rubber gene loves that shit and it's called and it's called kiss condemnation the alternative crazy nights outtakes album which i have and it's fucking amazing um, it's got a couple songs on here that people love, like in, in that bootleg environment love to talk about. Um, obviously sword and stone is the big one that people talk about. There's a, another one called dial L for love that where 
it was most famously not found to have any vocals on it. It's on Eric Carr's unfinished business as an instrumental. Yeah. The condemnation bootleg has the vocals with Gene. The song sounds like it would be maybe off his solo album, late seventies era stuff. Another song called, are you always this hot by with Gene singing? That is terrible. I don't know what fucking era it would have ever fit in, uh, but it's really cool. Um, and just real quick before we get into some more stuff, just because I do have this bootleg. So it pretty much has the entire album on it and it's the demo version of it. And some of the demos sound fucking ballsy. They yeah. were not keyboard laden out like songs, like even the title track crazy night sounds way different. Even Adam Mitchell talked about that, how he liked the demo because the chorus was a lot more fuller and had like a gang sound to it. Um, so this is a really cool demo. If you're into that stuff, and if you're into collectors, um, look for the Crazy Nights demo stuff. A lot of cool shit on there. So I just wanted to throw that in there because I am like a vinyl geek with bootlegs and stuff. Yeah, I know. I mean, we've done sometimes in the past where we've talked about, okay, here's a track. We did a little bit on Rock and Roll Over. Yeah. There's so much with the Crazy Nights outtakes and demos. Oh, my God. Incredible. We'll probably do an episode on that. So we're not going to get into playing some of the songs that aren't on there and, you know, time travelers, sword and so on and more. We'll save that for another episode. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And of course, Zeus's favorite time traveler came from this era. (laughs) (laughs) So Tom, it's a good time as ever. Let's get into the tracks. Here's a little song for everybody out there. Here it goes. Woo! Crazy, crazy nights. Yeah, not crazy nights, Tom. Crazy. I'm, gl- I'm glad. Crazy nights. I'm glad you brought that up. That annoys the fuck out of me. And Maybe I don't know why. Too. I think it's because I'm so OCD. Why is the album Crazy Nights, but the song is Crazy, Crazy Nights? <sighs> so then it's not the title track. Correct. That's right. That's <laughs> right. I'm holding that against you, Paul. It's not. Paul says, I was out one night with Adam Mitchell, who I wrote with sometimes. This I love I love reading Paul Stanley's shit. He goes, and I said, Man, crazy, crazy nights. That's a great title. Is it really, Paul? Like that that's some creatively inventive thing. Crazy nights. Oh, so crazy. Oh. I went and came up with a chorus. Yeah, which is you repeating the word crazy nights 900 times. Then he's like, I get tired of people talking about anthems because if there's an attempt at writing an anthem, it's not really heartfelt. Paul, you were trying to write an anthem. You didn't do a very good job because this song is boring. It's catchy, but it's wicked meh. 
It's too repetitive. You say crazy nights about 5 billion times in here. And I can understand why it was a hit. I can understand why the radio liked it. Very catchy, very memorable. Never was a fan of the song. Not, not a big one for me. Okay. Crazy nights written by Paul Stanley and SIOL favorite Adam Mitchell. That's right. Sorry, Adam. Love you, buddy. Not a fan. Uh, the song went to number 65, Tom, on the top 100. Okay. Number 37, mainstream rock. But it went to number four in the UK, and it is fucking legendary there. And they love it. You heard it straight from Adam, how big that song is there. It's a That's huge right. hit. Yep. Um, Adam mentioned the part where he felt that the demo was better. They had more crowd singing in the background, yeah. better than on the record. And it was ne- Nevison's choice, not his, to not do it. That and he's it. right. Because like I mentioned on that on that boot, on the uh, alternative, the demo album I have, the, that demo was on there. It sounds way different. It's it's. I hate to be that guy that's like all oh, the books better than the movie, you know. Yeah. But but the, the demo, Adam Mitchell was right. All right. Yeah. This is a trend on this album of opening with Paul Saints on. Woo! Oh, jeez. Now I'm interested to see what you think of this because the you hate Psycho Circus for many reasons mm-hmm. because the chorus is just. Psycho circuit. There's no chorus here. Yeah. It's yeah. just him saying these are crazy, crazy nights over and over and over again. Yeah. And that annoys me. I don't know <laughs> if it annoys you. Um, nice riff. But right off the bat, I can tell there's keyboards. Oh god, yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. You could tell it's a 1987 produced album. I like this though. It's, it's got simple verses. I like the pre-chorus. The chorus, not so much. Yeah, the pre-chorus, that's a good point you brought up. That is pretty cool. That's pretty cool, the pre-chorus. They try to tell yeah. us that we don't belong. Yep. Okay. And I put right here, Tom, very Psycho Circus-like. There you go. See, I know you, my friend. I know you. I like Bruce's solo. Uh, Paul, and there'll be a couple of tips of the hat and throughout this album, a tip, a call back to, we love it loud. Right? Oh, yeah. And no one's going to change me because okay. that's who I am. Oh, oh, there's a few spoken things throughout this album. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I like uh, Bruce's guitar fills and licks at the end. Another anthem attempt mm-hmm. and Waterboy type lyrics. If <laughs> if life is a radio, turn it up to 10. OK, I, I, I kind of actually always like that lyric. I thought it was so stupid, but I liked it. But it's got those. You can do it. <laughs> exactly. Now, yep. There's a part that I want to say, and it's mentioned in here. And by the way, uh, a favorite of ours, Toby Wright, producer of Alice in Chains, Jar Flies. That's right. Uh, he was the assistant to Nevison on this. Yeah. And he oh, yeah. talks about it, that he says, like, they try to come out. This is 87 guitar. Um, Adam Mitchell says this too at one point about this and he says the thing that stays with me about recording the whole crazy nights record was how good bruce played in the studio incredible so i there's something about his tone on this album i think after listening to this album hundreds of times in the last couple of weeks that bruce is the unsung hero throughout this album his guitar playing I'm I'm honestly, I love it on revenge, but I might think it's better on this. I, I, I just 
his guitar playing sticks out even on a ah, the song's not bad he the f- parts that i like are his little guitar fills uh, the tone it's a fucking awesome tone i, I i'm uh, bruce it just uh, you know and it's not nothing great on this album but he makes up for stuff that lack on this album and songs that I don't like so much, but I like the guitar on it. That is literally one of my number one notes on this entire thing. And you said it for me, revenge for me personally is Bruce's magnum op- magnum opus in terms of guitar. Okay. This now I'll be honest with you. Crazy nights is not an album. I go to very often. Spending this much time with it, getting ready for this, I was like, just like you, holy fucking Bruce Kulik. Yeah. This to me is by far right there with revenge in terms of his best album as a Kiss member. In the tone on this, some people say it's thin. I like it. It's got that late 80s pop metal crunch to it. Yep. And it's fucking killer. And you're right. He lifts a lot of these songs that are mediocre or meh. To giving him a little bit of a boost. I, I mean, it's, just, it's another reason to love Bruce. Fast, yep. slow, melodic. You Incredible. name it, the whammy on this, I fucking love it. Incredible. All the shit that he does on this. I've I, I just, again, like I, I'd have to go song by song. Yeah. This may be his best guitar. Now, I will say this too. Look at this album. He comes in, he gets four writing credits. He has a lot to do with this album. Yep. You know, obviously the first album, he's going to be a little nervous with Asylum. Now he's feeling like I got something to contribute and they use him on this album. Yeah. And then Revenge, where Gene and them get involved and stuff. It's one of those things like, dude, if they ever really put Eric and Bruce and got them more invested and worked as a band to do songs together. How many other great tunes they could have came up with? Dude, that is so frustrating when you bring that up, because if Paul and Gene understood who they had in their band, you had two of the great musicians in 80s rock yeah. on, on your team, in your band. And my God, did you, I, I don't want to say you squandered them because that, that, that kind of, that kind of sells them short on what they did in, in the success that they had. But my God, what, what you, what, if, if you really harnessed what those two guys could have brought to this, to this band, incredible and it's because shit. of egos. That's right. Paul and Gene, I'm over here. I'll send you the tape. Hey, Bruce, come to me. No, you go over there. Hey, Eric, come here and do a couple demos. Like what the right. fuck dude? Yep. Just yep. get in the fucking room and work together. And I know Gene had other projects and issues he was dealing with on the side. But, Paul, you could still have said, then the three of us that sit in the studio, Gene, you're going to come in here and meet us at this time to this time. Like, yeah. come on. And it, But when he's there and you use Bruce properly, ah, he kills. Absolutely. Couldn't I agree more. I just think more. the production limited Eric a little. That's all. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I could see that. Yeah. Now, there's a video for this, Tom. Look at the last three videos and then look at these three videos. So look at the Asylum era. Look at yep. the Crazy Nights era. Yep. Way different look. Paul, of course, has to flex when there's millions strong. He's got to put up his bicep yep. doing leg kicks and thinking he's David Lee Roth and spins and stuff. Bruce has got the suit. I love that suit. I right? love it. I love it. June jeans flicking his tongue. There's a lot of moving cameras, concert footage. Paul is all animated. I think Eric looks cool. The big kiss sign. Yep. Uh, one kid had where they show one little kid and kiss makeup. Uh, Paul shakes his ass. Takes his shirts off. 
and this is when he starts um, doing throughout these videos you watch. He's got the guitar hanging over his body, but his arms are free. He's not even holding the guitar. His arms are in the air, and he'll grab the mic with two hands and play with the mic and the guitar swinging. It's not that Paul Stanley rhythm guitar player singing on the mic. And then what did we see not long after that with the let's put the X and sex video? No guitar at no, all. Exactly. This is and, the this is the birth of the Paul Stanley. I want to be a front man era. Yeah, there's, uh, you know, flames, Paul's white outfit, Eric's in jeans. Gene has got that same like we talked about black leather outfit that he wears throughout all this shit because I can't get it off because I'm too sweaty. <laughs> This is when I became fat. <laughs> Just call me fat Gene Simmons in the 80s. That should be an SNL character. Fat Gene from the 80s. Come here, lady, and grab me a Twinkie while you're at it. Um, but the video, you know, this part of it, it was, I remember when the song came out. Oh, yeah. The video came out. Heavy yep. rotation. Yep. And, uh, you know, it's part of the era. That's right. Let's go to the second track. Hell to hold you. Okay. Now here's a song that we talk about a lot in terms of uh, bashing it, putting it at the bo- at the bottom of lists or at the top of list, depending on what the list is. Um, as I said previously, crazy nights. The album is not an album. I go to often. It's just, uh, we'll get into why. Okay. At near the end, but here's a song that I admittedly don't spend a lot of time listening to. And that's because Paul's vocals are ridiculous. They, they almost are painful. They almost make my ears twitch when I listen to this song because he's in a register that's in a different stratosphere. That being said, the verses to the song, the way the song starts in the, the music, the melody in the verses, I actually think there's something going on there. Okay. But the bridge is ridiculous. The chorus is a nightmare. It's it's laughable almost. But again, we just talked about it. One of Bruce's most unbelievable fucking solos that he's ever laid down as a Kiss guitarist. Incredible solo. But that being said, Paul just kills this song. 
he just kills this song and makes it borderline unlistenable for me. Yeah. Uh, I'll fight hell to hold you written by Paul Stanley. That's how I old favorite Adam Mitchell. And, and I love you, Adam. Sorry. And Bruce. Bruce Kulik. Yep. Paul says I came up with the riff. Bruce turned uh, into a song. Uh, Bruce says he approached the riff in a whole new manner. And Paul liked it. Later, I spoke with Adam and said, hey, we were just working on a great song. I'll fight hell to hold you. I went, oh, really? What's it like? <laughs> Described it. Bruce says, oh, cool. That's what I started with Paul. I don't know if Bruce is trying to be like, oh, really? And then they're like, he had a fight to get a writing credit, but he got it. So I, I don't know. But it, it sounds like throughout this, anytime Bruce is involved in the song, they're like, yeah, yeah, work on this. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I got enough from you. That's it. Fuck off. I mean, that, let, let the, let the grownups write the lyrics now. That's exactly how I interpret these comments. And when I read that, so because we know, not, not know Bruce personally, I mean, we had him on the show, but because we know him as kiss fans, he is the nicest guys. Hey guys, I'll fight hell to hold you. What a song. But when, it, when you, when you read it, it's like, I went, Oh really? What's it like? Oh, cool. That's the thing I started with Paul. Now, that could be like nice guy, Bruce. Like, oh, cool. That's the thing I started with Paul. Or he could be like, oh, cool. That's the thing I started with Paul. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Or how come he's hearing it from Adam and not Paul saying to him, hey, you know that song I'm doing? I'm working on it with Adam. I think we're going to be able to turn that into a hit. Oh, okay. Yeah, because, he has to hear about it through Adam, which is Paul? An, which is another great observation. Right. Which is another because what we just said about keeping Bruce and Eric under wraps, Paul can't go to Bruce and be like, Dude, a great melody. I, I, I'm digging this. Let's turn this into something. Instead, he goes to Adam Mitchell. Mm. And like you said, then Adam tells Bruce. And Bruce's like, what? Yeah. It's a little like uh, we talk about this comparison a lot. It's a little bit how the band treated uh, Don Felder. Oh, that Hotel California. Okay. That's awesome. Okay, great. Yeah. Fuck off. Me, yeah. and, <laughs> me and Glenn Fry are going to write the lyrics to this now. Exactly. Oh, victim of love. This is great. Hey, why don't you go grab us some beer? Okay, he fucking left. Get on the Don, sing it. Hey, go show Kyle the tree. Yeah. <laughs> go show Kyle the tree. <laughs> um, oh, man. Yeah. So, anyways, um, Adam says he played on the song. Remember? He's like, I That's know right. I was on there. Yeah. He, he was talking about that. Yes. Um, right away when I hear this, I'm like, fucking keys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I like Bruce's guitar fills in the beginning. The, the pre-chorus on this song is foreshadowing to stand. Oh, I can see that. Yeah. Which is I, another horrible song. I know you hate it. Um, the whole, but when all hope is lost, I'm going to be there, whatever the cost. When you feel that is the fucking whole, I'll be there standing yep. shit. Fucking, yep. Um, I don't mind it so much, you know, over listening to this shit over and over again. I still don't like this song. But I don't hate it as much. That's exactly me. I don't. I, I just. I can't get past the chorus. But like I said, I think the melody and the verses and what Bruce is doing guitar wise is really awesome. Yeah. So there's another little tip of the hat Motown Paul is doing because he is a big Motown guy. And we all mm -hmm. know this. Yep. Um. No river too deep, mountain high. That's right. Yes. Good pick up there. Yep. Right. That's right. I like the verses with the echoes. I do like echoes in some songs at the yeah. end of each first line of, of each verse. Yep. Um. Paul's not nuts are in a vice again. Oh god. Uh, Bruce's solo is actually pretty sweet, I put. It's incredible. Yeah. And I don't remember that that much. And then I listened to it again. I'm like, oh fuck, this is actually pretty good. Yep. Uh, I can't the keyboards are killing me. Um, 
I bet though, and I put, I bet this song would have worked if fucking Michael Bolton sang this. And that could have, right? I yeah. think Michael Bolton to the ladies, I'll fight hell to hold you like well, this. And, and I think that's what I'm talking about when I say it's not a bad song. It's not, it's this, the, the song itself is there. But honestly, it's probably the first time I've ever said this as a Kiss fan. Paul ruins this song. Yeah, it. I think the keys ruin it for Kiss. They yeah. could have made it heavier. Take the keys out. And the made oct- it more guitar driven. The octave that he's in is just ridiculous. Nobody wants to hear that. And I do like Bruce's outro on this. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's it's awesome. So yeah. something that I ranked recently, I think, on Joey's top five, Casada. Um, I now mm, maybe it's not the top five worst. I agree with you, and that's what happens when you when you spend extra time with a song. You're like, well, wait a minute, that's not as terrible as I thought it was. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I'm interesting to hear what you're gonna say about this next one. Wow. you now here we go guilty pleasure it's a stupid fucking song but it's fun and it's fucking catchy it's if you're gonna throw it in there with that read my body type shit it is light years ahead of read my body in terms of song lyrics are stupid i love that there's a love gun reference i think that's kind of cool going old school um i like the breakdown when it's like one to the counting it's silly but it's paul he pulls it off he pulls this off okay i don't know anybody uh, any other band that could really pull this off and be like okay this song's really cool i want to bang bang you shoot you down with my love gun and count off i like it i like it i'm guilty (laughs) bang bang you written by paul stanley and old friend desmond child returns there you go yes Paul says that some of those tracks border a little just too close for kitsch for me. Oh, for me. Okay, Penelope Red. Yeah. But it's a fun song. It works with its place in the 80s. He's right. Yeah, I'll give him that. Desmond Child added, I love that one. Paul and I were always fan of the Sonny Bono song, Bang Bang, My Baby Shot Me Down. I think that song was definitely influenced by it. I don't know about that. I don't know that either. Yeah. Paul says it's a classic song of boys and their toys. Yeah, that's bad. 
that that that's that's that doesn't sound good. Another wow opening by Paul. I like the riff, and I, I'm yeah. going to say this a, a few times. Yep, there's something about Paul's delivery on this whole album, the way he's singing. And so I remember when he was talking and I saw this, I forget what it was in what context Paul was talking about lyrics and it's not so much lyrics. When mountains crumble to the sea, it'll still be you and me. It's not so much just that it's lyrics and how they come out and the consonants and vowels and how you can carry something and how you can hold a note and how you can, and how does it sound when you sing those words, something may make more sense, but singing it this way with these words, makes it work. Paul's right. delivery of these stupid, ridiculous lyrics. It works. works. Yeah. He can handle it. And he makes this dumb song fucking work. And it's actually a, a, a theme throughout the delivery and not just him, Tom. I also added myself. The counting is actually funny. Exactly. I like it. Yep. And the way he delivers it, too. Yep. It's another tip of the hat. I'll shoot you down with my love gun, baby. Uh, Paul's verse pre-chorus delivery is great. Mm-hmm. I love the pre-chorus on this. And Paul speaks. You know what I'm talking about before that solo takes on. We do. Paul, we don't know what you're talking about. Can you tell us? What, what are you talking about, Paul? <laughs> no. Bang, bang, you. Are you talking about making cookies together? Yeah, right. What are we doing here? Oh, and I like Bruce's solo. The gang chorus at the end of bang, bang, you comes in and Bruce's outro noodling. Pretty cool. Yep. A song that I was like that. We always use it. Okay, Paul, you're the guy that wrote bang, bang, you. It's true. You you brought up. You brought up a great point. And we can. I mean, we'll get into that more with each song. But there's a ton of awesome gang singing, gang choruses, background gang singing. Fucking great on this album. Yes. Yep. Yes or no, no, no. An absolute fucking clinic put on here by Bruce. Incredible. Now, I, in the past, I've always said I'm not a fan of Fast Kiss. 
This to me is the best fast kiss song for me. It's better than under the gun. It's better than I, I do like loves a deadly weapon, but this, I, I just love, I love how it starts off with an absolutely ridiculous Eddie Van Halen style guitar solo, Eric Carr with the double bass gene. I, this is the first gene song we got so far. And I, at number four, Tom, that that's right. That's right. And I like, Gene's vocal style on this album and it continues throughout this song I mean I don't know it's I think it's tremendously underrated I mean I'm not going to tell you it should have been a hit I think it's a killer fucking track for the era for 1987 if another band did something like this it could have been huge and that's what I said earlier about Kiss having like an authenticity problem the problem with this album and yes it did go platinum 1 million selling None of these songs were really hits because it was Kiss. No, no, no could have been huge. Our buddies from Quarantine Jericho then did a friggin' killer cover of this. Ridiculous. And I think it brought some eyes on this. It, I think you're right. And what but I we think this is about, Tom, about yeah. Gene's underrated 80s songs. And this is one of them. Absolutely. Yep. No, no, no. Written by Gene Simmons. Bruce Kulik getting another writing credit. And our buddy Eric Carr comes in. Yep. Bruce plays all the guitars on this. I'm going to read this from uh, Behind the Mask, Gene Simmons. No, no, no is one of those car accidents. <laughs> Bruce Kulik started fooling around with a lick. Whenever you plant something too much, it tends to backfire. We tried to do something really fast because those fast songs were popular at the time. <laughs> the lyrics came very fast. Most of the chordal changes came from Bruce. It's not one of my favorite songs. It has that who are you trying to impress vibe in a musicality sense? Yeah, but that's what was going on at the time, Gene. And you had a guitarist that could do it. Embrace it. You know what I like to say? It's like, so are you still playing 50 style music after the Beatles changed music? Right. That's what happened. Everything's changed. Yeah. You're not going to be still doing doo-wop music. Are you, Gene? You're not doing Yeah, you're not doing Tunnel of Love on the Crazy Nights album. No, you're not. No, no, no. Originally called Assume the Position <laughs> and later Down idiot. on All Fours. Assume the Position. Based on a Bruce Lick and Eric developed it into a song in Eric's apartment in New York. Love it. Sent so, uh, so that Gene can finish it. Eric says he set up the double bass drum on my drum machine. I just got this feeling in my head and I started coming up with this real staccato stuff for the verse. It's Bruce's favorite song because it's the fastest, ferocious thing and it features me a lot. Good for him. Yeah. Love the guitar in the beginning. It has, when it picks up, a tooth and nail solo type. Indeed. Good call. That tooth and nail solo from uh, George Lynch. Yep. Um, a little bit different. The double bass comes in. Oh, I love these Gene down and dirty lyrics. Show me where and I'll show you how. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. Yep. It wouldn't work in today's Me Too movement. <laughs> this song. Oh, none, of, none of these. None of the, this whole album yeah. probably wouldn't work. Yeah. It, Bruce continues the great guitar playing on this. I put the solo is fucking great. His outro is great, too. Yeah, it's fast. 
but I don't think it's that fast in my sense. I think they did faster songs. I think I'm alive is fast than this. Yeah, Under the gun a, is fast than that's this. That's a mess. I'm alive. I terrible. Just, I and you know, and I just love it. And I think th- there's that fun version of quarantine that Chris and the gang did. Yep. Brought a lot of eyes on this, and people are like, shit, I didn't realize this. Oh no, yeah, well, let me hear what Bruce did. Oh wow. Yep. Yeah. So kudos to Chris and the gang. And uh, let's continue to the next track, which is another Gene track. high water this is a song that zeus and i talk about a lot when we talk about underrated 80s gene tracks um just for me an incredible groove bruce sounds awesome this is one of those songs where the the tone of the guitar i think really stands out again gene's vocals very understated got a great bridge and i absolutely fucking love the chorus i love the chorus Eric is Eric is carrying this song too with a with an awesome awesome vibe that he's got going to me I, I say it again I mean this is hell or high water is when you're talking deep cuts you're talking deep 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 undercover there it, it's a standout track for me I mean I have a couple comments I'm going to say at the end of the album that I'm going to wrap up in overall but this song this is this is a favorite of mine I'll tell you right now Hell or High Water by Gene Simmons and our buddy Bruce Kulik. I believe Bruce plays the bass on this. Gene says the song started with Bruce Kulik. He came up with some chord packs I liked a lot. The title was his idea, too. I wrote the lyrics and melody. Here I am all alone. Been two days since you've been gone. Um, I love that fact that Bruce worked with uh, Gene on this song. Supposedly came up with the riff during the Asylum tour. Yep. Um, and, you know, like we said, Gene had the lyrics and Bruce had the title. Curiously, this is on the box set, which yeah. I don't get. Uh, it's very interesting. A super deep cut. They threw it on there. While Turn On The Night is not. Exactly. Yep. Um, Gene said, I wrote the lyrics and most of the melody, but it was Bruce who initially had the point of view on this song mm-hmm. it has one of my favorite bruce kulik solos yep i love the bruce riff and this is jeans i can't believe i'm gonna say it jeans sexy voice it is you're right and his delivery yep it's that gene lowering his like the voice not as deep and thick and just oh i, I love when he does this then the harmony lyrics on the pre-chorus fan. It's awesome. Fantastic. It's so good. Yep. The chorus is 
awesome. It's a kiss chorus with the gang vocals. Bruce's solo is killer on this. Yeah. The tone on his guitar again sticking out is amazing. Love Gene coming out of the guitar solo with gonna love you. And they come back. The, 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 yeah, the gang stuff is amazing. The callback at the end. The the you know the gonna love you come hell hold you and then it's just a fantastic one. and then Bruce continues to rip it on yep. the outro. Yep. Again, now listen to how we're describing these songs. You would think we're describing like a destroyer Destroy- or some some like a classic album. Yeah, and I'm yeah. gonna get to that at the end. Me too. All right. Next up. New York, New York. No, I'm sorry. My way. Go ahead. My way, uh, one of the more polarizing shouted out loudcast songs amongst the two of us. Um, I- I'm a big fan of this one. The synthesizer is ridiculous. It's way, way too much, but it's 1987. It's a fun song. Like Zeus always says, it's a water boy. You can do it song. I said it earlier, and I hate to be that guy again. The demo version of this should have been the version that was on the album. The keyboards are way, way toned down on the demo version, and it allows the song to kind of be on its own. The, the, this song is, is wrapped up and enveloped too much in the keyboards. It's way too much. Again, it's 1987. I think it's a fun song. The chorus is bordering on the I'll fight hell to hold you kind of octave there, but he doesn't quite get there. But I really, really enjoy the verses, and I like the way Paul is singing. Um, although I don't want to hear really anybody other than Kenny Loggins say "Danger Zone" <laughs> or Graham Bonnet for that matter, too. Oh yes, there you go. By the way, I've been listening to that, and every time it comes on, I fucking that's the thing about an album review crews or even Kiss albums. Yep. After you review them, and then they go away, and you're onto something else. You're like, shit, I, why am I going back to this song? That's right. Yeah, I agree. And then all of a sudden you're like, why did I rank that song at number seven? I'm going back and I'm going to that song over everything. How's that that low? Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Danger Zone is awesome. Yeah. But my way, it, I, I like it. It's not a go-to track for me. I think I enjoy the fact. I think I enjoy it because I know Zeus hates it. And I know Jericho loves it. Oh, you got to hear the isolated vocal <laughs> track on YouTube. <laughs> like he loves that. You know what my favorite thing is? We'll quote this and laugh amongst ourselves. We will get a text. Oh, he's because I love us. these. Like when yeah. Chris listens to the episode, 
no matter if he's on a plane at two in the morning or he wakes up at five in the morning or he's right after a wrestling, just whatever's in his head, he'll text us. You fucking idiots think that this fucking song is good. That song sucks. How about the text he sent us today he, about about the poison episode? He goes, good Lord, it's not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> Just out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. Yeah, and so he, like, we're supposed to know that he's talking about that specific part and that right. specific episode. Right, right. So me and you will get a chuckle. Oh, yeah. And he comes back to us and says, I fucking love that. Have you ever heard this isolated track? Yes, many times, Chris. We love you, buddy. Yeah, and Casada, you don't have to send it to us, too. We know. <laughs> He's another one that does that. Yep. All right. My Way, written by Paul Stanley, legendary Desmond Child, and legendary Bruce Turgeon. Who? Who? <laughs> Apparently, he wrote some stuff. He played in some songs with Foreigner and Lou Graham. I don't know, some musician. Okay. He'd be talented to be playing with those guys. So, uh, my way. All right. <laughs> read this. From- Lay it into us. Paul Stanley. This is just something I came up with on the keyboards. Since I don't know how to play the keyboards, it was kind of interesting. I don't even understand that. How the fuck are you doing if you don't know how to play it? I think he's trying to tell you, like, oh, I'm so talented. I accidentally made this like song. <laughs> I think that songs like My Way are in unnecessary high keys. I was so fascinated in my own range laughs that it really became more of a challenge to me to see how high I could sing. There were times where if I sang any higher, dogs would run into the street. That's true. I like the songs on Crazy Nights. I just don't think sonically that they're everything they could have been. Now, I've heard him say in further interviews over the years that if he knew that he would have to sing these songs later on, he wouldn't have sang him so high to make his life miserable. I get that. This is another one. His fucking nuts are in a vice. There's too much keyboard. I like the verses in the pre-chorus, you know, the water boy lyrics. Yep. Paul's nuts in the vice. The solo is pretty decent by Bruce. I can't stand the fucking chorus. <laughs> and wow. At Paul at the end when he starts screaming. Oh, yeah. My- oh, my God. However, I'm going to go off on a little bit of a detour here. Okay. I'm like, why do I know this song? It sounds familiar, too. I remembered years ago when I looked up to laugh for something about worst videos of all time. Have you ever seen something like you clip on them? Yeah. There is a fucking video by a lady. I don't know if you've ever seen this named Jan Terry. Don't know who that is. She probably makes fucking Roseanne Barr look thin. Okay. Her face looks like a combination of fucking George Costanza's mom and sloth from the goon. That is that is not a good look. It's a song called Losing You. Oh no. If you hear this song or see this video, you will fucking die laughing. You really is the funniest thing of all time. You realize there goes our Twitter feed now on Saturday when we drop this episode. There is so many. You can tell this is like somebody had a couple bucks and put this together. Yeah. It is the most ridiculous, like, I don't know, uh, local cable TV fucking made video. See, now I feel bad. I don't want to oh, be fat, fat, ugly Jan Terry. <laughs> At one point, she sees this guy who's supposed to be like, like, <laughs> A handsome guy or something. Yeah. And he's got like 
He looks like Joey Buttafuoco with a mustache, like a Mark Gastineau buffoon oh, with a mullet. And he's on him. He's on a motorcycle, and it's parked. We're right underneath. It says no parking here, and they both on the motorcycle. And how do you know this exists? Where were you? The how did you video. see this? It's the greatest video of all time. And it looks like they can't get any traction when she gets on the back. Like the backs, the back shocks <laughs> are bottomed out. God, you got to see how cheesy this guy is. And like, she's like the rock star because she starts off in the limo and then gets on with her boyfriend in the fucking motorcycle. And then they, they go into like this club or like restaurant to eat. And when they get off the motorcycle, they're both walking and she's walking like Jabba the Hutt. And like, they pretend waving to people oh, as though they have man. fans out there. You've got to see the Bill Parcells vagina gut on this person. Oh, she got the gunt going? The gunt, the fupa, the <laughs> vagina gut. She got the, she got the Chris Christie at the baseball game <laughs> fupa going. Oh, my God. This is the worst. <laughs> worst it cannot be worse than Chris Christie with those white pants on sitting you in the stadium. See this video. <laughs> it is horrendous. All it's right. legendary. It's legendary. Everybody oh. go watch Jan Terry's losing you video. And never oh. mind how horrible the song is. Yeah, right. Just the reason I say this is a big keyboard that sounds like the beginning keyboards of my way. That is quite the connection right there. Okay. We're going to take a two-second break. Tom's going to see this right now. Put it on for two seconds. Oh, no. Dude, you've got to see this. Hold on. So, Tom, we just watched the video together. Literally one of the most incredible things I've ever seen in my entire life. And here's the thing that I can't get over. The video has 1.1 million views. I told you. You guys are not going (laughs) to believe this when you see this. It is. And go on YouTube and read the comments. Oh, they're hilarious. Fucking hilarious. She's a cult figure. It is unbelievable my god thank you zeus for entering that into my life yeah and then the and don't you hear the the my way fucking keys on that it's 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 incredible oh my god oh well let's move on from that disaster and let's go to side two 
When your walls come down, this is saying a lot, but some of the absolutely most absurd lyrics in the history of Kiss in history, starting off with nursery rhymes, just a ridiculous song. Now, that being said, the call and answer of the bridge into the chorus before he gets into the when your walls come down, I think is I love it because I don't understand anything the fucking band is saying to each other. But I like how he's like, and and the and the band's like, I'm like, I don't know what the fuck you're doing. I have no idea what's going on here. Bruce, again, is incredible. The song is ridiculous. The best part of this song, if you can make it to the very end, is at the fade out when Paul's like, hey, kitty, 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 kitty. <laughs> the song, I mean, it's a fun song, but it's 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 quite silly. When Your Walls Come Down, written by Paul Stanley, SOIO favorite Adam Mitchell, and I Bruce Kulick. And I love you, Adam. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> yeah, it's, not a, a it's, not a, it's not a bad song. It's just a, it's a little nuts. So when I told you that I read about this album coming out, and Paul had said, oh, it reminds me of a you know, Destroyer, some of our older stuff. When I heard the car part revving up for this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's something that went to my mind when I bought this album. Yep. Uh, Bruce said, I remember having a couple of the verses kind of like Van Halen, like bouncy things, but I all liked it. And we sat down and worked on it. I wasn't around when he finished the song with Adam Mitchell. Of course. Again, again. Yeah. Fuck off. Now let the grownups handle the song. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yep. Um, Kula came up with the riff during the asylum tour again. Paul had the chorus and with Adam Mitchell's assistance, the song was finished. Another Paul yells, let's go to open. Yep. And then Bruce rips. Uh, Bruce is incredible on this. Fun lyrics. Again, I like Paul's delivery. You just said it. I love the gang vocals on the pre-chorus. It's like the call and answer stuff. Yeah, it's fun. Not crazy about the chorus. Again, I said C-Cycle Circus. Yeah. Paul says, come here, baby. Oh, and then Bruce quick solo. Yeah. Uh, Paul's outro with the kid here, kitty, kitty, here, kitty, kitty. Oh my God. It's so ridiculous. And then he says in the New York accent, you get so crazy. I love it. Yep. Oh, Bruce outro. Yep. A song that is forgettable, sometimes laughable. When you listen to it again, you know, that fucking pre-chorus sticks with you. It's fun. 
Yeah. It's such a talent that Kiss has that and can do that. And they do it throughout their history. They make earworms. They make oh stuff that God, gets that yeah. so catchy. Yep. Again, not too crazy about the chorus, but the song itself and the yeah. lyrics are silly, but they're fun. Yep. All right. Let's get into something serious now, though. So apparently Hart makes an appearance on this album with the song Reason to Live. Um, yikes. I mean, oof. to me, this is just a horribly transparent attempt to be of the times and to just write a song. You know, it's 87. It's ballad time. It's they wrote it with Desmond Child, who was supremely talented. It's. I just I just never got into it. I mean, I tried to get into it because it was Kiss and I felt like oh, I'm a Kiss fan. I kind of need to like this song. It's just way too it's way too syrupy and corny. I, I love ballads and I don't mind them. I think when they're done well, they're great, but this this is rough. This is a rough one for me. Never got into it ever. And even even spending some extra time with this album and giving it a more more of a chance, it's melodic. It's it's well crafted. I'll give Desmond Child and Paul Stanley that credit, but it's just not a very good song for Kiss, in my opinion. Reason to Live, written by Paul Stanley and the legendary Desmond Child. Yep. This did make it to number 64, Tom, on the Hot 100, 34 on mainstream rock. I could so see that. Here we go. Power ballads, heavy on keyboards and production. Yep. Um, Reason to Live, Paul Stanley. I wanted to have a ballad on the record, but ballads are really touchy because when you do a ballad, you have to make sure you're not wimping out because you write a ballad or because you write a song about relationship. That doesn't mean you have to write about being miserable and not being able to live without somebody. So we felt real good about it. Desmond Child. The song was mostly my concoction. It was more of a keyboard kind of song. Paul's contribution with the lyrics. He wrote the stuff on it that was mostly my style more than Kiss. Now. Paul says that the age of the power ballad was the only hope for airplay. Yep. And then he got into the video and how they got into that part. Uh, you can tell it's heavy keys. Oh, and, but I like Paul's delivery on this. It's kind of, again, I, mean, I can't believe I'm saying this, but a guy kind of sexy. And he sounds good. Yeah. He just, 
again, the pre-chorus is awesome. And I actually like the chorus. It is so, of course, I'm like, of course, I like the chorus. It's Paul Stanley and Desmond Child. Yeah. After the first chorus of Paul saying, but it can't be your love. And then drums hit and keyboard holds the note and then silence. And then Paul slips back into the verse. I think that's pretty cool. Uh, Bruce's solo is cool and sexy again. You yep. actually can tell Eric's drumming a little bit. He's really toned down on this album. But oh, yeah. His drumming on this song is pretty good. I love Paul's the ending of the song where Paul says, no, it can't be your love. Another. I think this song could have been a real sexy R&B song if somebody else in somebody else's hands. Mm-hmm. I think it's a brilliant song, Tom. I do. I think I it's. Just, uh, yeah, I think it's, it's I think it's yes. That's what I'm saying. I think it's a well-written, well-crafted pop ballad. I, I just we say this a lot, Zeus. It's a good song, it's just not a good kiss song, or whatever. I just don't it's it's hard, it's hard for me to express what I'm saying because I just said it's a it's a well-crafted pop song, it's a well-written ballad. Paul sounds good. I just I don't know, it's too much for me to I can't, it's not forever, it's it's too kitschy, it's too it's too cheesy. I can't think of a better word. Well, I can't for do it. me, I, I can't I, do it. I look at this stuff and I think these songs would have been great for Michael Bolton. I really, oh, I do. totally agree. I could totally pitch in. This is his vocal performance on this. And he would rip this thing up and it'd be a huge stuff. I think it really would. Um, let's go to the video. So the video is interesting because Bruce is on the keyboards. Yeah. Which is weird. Jim has got his demon-faced bass. Interesting. Yep. Yep. Eric, it's got the Chikara drums, right? That's right. Yep. The cymbals. Yep. Um, Gene is trying to do this smoldering look thing he's doing. Dude, that's the one thing that sticks out in my memory when I think of this video is his face staring at the camera. Yeah, like, ooh. I'm yeah. Doing, ooh. And then he's doing a shoulder thing. Like, yeah. Like, not a wild and crazy fucking... Paul shaking his shoulder, but like, yep. like a stretch, like a yoga move with his shoulders and trying to do his lips all smoldering. Ooh. <laughs> yep. You are not a handsome man, Gene. Stop. No. That. Well, he's all right. Yeah. Um, the chick is fucking smoking in this. Eloise Brody. Yeah. Playboy some, playmate. Yep. Yeah, fucking smoking. Yep. Especially the scenes where she's on the bed and those red fucking satin sheets. Oh. Mm-hmm. Oh, smoke show. Paul's red gloves on his face. Oh, jeez. Oh, so Paul talks about the video. Actually, it's in the segment here from the box set. Yep. Uh, he talks about the uh, power ballad and the only way you get some airplay. But then he starts getting into, uh, into something. The song was well received at MTV. And the best part of making videos was always getting to choose great looking women to work with. <laughs> it was a job that had to be done, and I grudgingly volunteered. First of all, if he said this shit loud, he'd be ripped apart by the people that he wants to impress. Oh, yeah. Eloise Brody, who shot the video, was an absolute babe and turned me on like a 100-watt bulb. There's a scene where she sets my Porsche on fire through clever editing. They use me getting out of my car and then editing a miniature model. It did appear as though we set a $60,000 car on fire. The only big fire was mine for Eloise. Oh, God, Paul. Now, okay. 
the other part to this is part of the lore of Kiss. Yep. And we should have talked about this a little bit in the beginning, but this is the part where Paul was calling Gene out. Oh, yeah. Fed up with his shit. Like, I'm not being involved, producing five bands, not being there. Yeah, you're uh, all over the place. And we're a fucking team. Either be in or not. Yeah. And you're a fucking manager for cabaret singer or whatever. Yep. And he's doing all this shit. So he fucking laid it out to him. And Paul said, and this is, I'm going to read this from Paul Stanley's Face the Music. And this is the part where you're saying quitting the band was never an option for me. I also did not relish the idea of taking over the band on my own, but if Gene's reduced involvement was going to continue, I wanted to be paid and recognized for my ever increasing responsibilities. I wasn't sure what to expect, but apparently the talk resonated with Gene because a few days later, he approached me and handed me a Jaguar brochure. He said he wanted me to pick one out for myself. He wanted to buy me a Jag to show his appreciation for all that I've done to keep the band going. It was a nice move on his part, but I had my eye on a Porsche. When we shot the video for the second single from Crazy Night's Reason to Live, the storyline involved a beautiful woman blowing up a car. It was a black Porsche 928, and I drove it home from the video shoot. Compliments of Gene. Good for you, Paul. Like, literally no one cares. (laughs) You know, like to him, to him, it's kind of like with the radio chick. Oh, yeah. You seen my house? Like, you know, it's like, dude, I $60,000 Porsche. That's it. Well, that was back in 87. It was 35. It was almost four, almost what? 40, 35 years ago. I remember putting posters of Porsches and shit like that. They're worth over a hundred thousand dollars when I was like fucking grade school in my wall. Maybe Gene was like, I'll buy you a Porsche, a cheap one. (laughs) Anyway, I just remembered that story as part of it. Uh, As far as reason to live goes, I I always enjoyed the song. It's just not one of those, um, you know, it's just not one of those kiss songs that you remember for being kiss. I just think it's a great song. Yeah, I hear you. Now let's go back to the demon. Another fucking fantastic Gene track on here. Awesome fucking groove. A nice moody vibe to the song. Another song with an amazing bridge and a killer chorus. You got the band with like doing the uh, ah, ah, just awesome stuff. Bruce is again, incredible in this. The crunch of the guitar really comes through. I, 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 I love 
just the 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 bounciness and like the groove of this song it just and just another tremendously underrated super super deep cut from gene and he had some really really interesting things to say in behind the mask about this um talking about you know the record company and writing the lyrics he said even even the record i didn't like talking about crazy nights we became what we looked like in videos silly not as good as bon jovi not as good as poison oh gene how dare you they were better versions of what we did they were better looking guys they were younger and thinner who wrote better songs then then he said this was really i don't know if i'm reading it the wrong way or not what we were doing it we thought that's what you're supposed to be doing there were very few options we couldn't out motorhead motorhead we weren't as classic as zeppelin we couldn't really do the classic version of Kiss without Ace and Peter. So we did the best we could with what we had. Ouch, dude. Did you hear what you just said? We did the best we could with what we had. That's what a coach says when his starting quarterback is on the bench with a torn ACL. And you say, ah, geez, we did the best with what we could. That's all we had, you know? Dude, you're talking about fucking Bruce and Eric, man. That is a that struck me as one of the Gene's usually careful with his words. To me, that's a really vicious thing to say about the band at that time. I think the reunions already happened, pretty much, right? Pretty much. So it's always talking about what's the best part of the band right now. That's right. So he's making it seem like yeah, we weren't that good. Let's talk about fucking the reunion kiss, dude. He's saying that's incredible, an incredible comment. They couldn't do the classic version without Ace and Peter. Take it what they're talking about now. We we can't do the classic version with Ace and Peter because we have better people. We have Tommy and Eric. But imagine saying we did the best we could with what we had. That means, yeah, geez, we, we, were, we were stuck with Eric and Bruce. So we just came up with this album. Like, Just wow. Yeah. Like, we're not as good as Led Zeppelin. And uh, Poison and them are kicking our ass. Like, dude, what? First of all, uh, right. Like, are you sure this is Gene? Exactly. It's stunning. Like, first of all, you're comparing yourself against arguably the greatest rock band in the history of rock. Okay. And then you're comparing yourself against your contemporaries that are selling a billion albums. There's a place where you can coexist somewhere in the middle, Gene. You don't have to compare yourself to the highest of the highs. Yeah. Uh, Good girl gone bad. Gene Simmons. Garrett Sigerson and Peter Diggins. And, uh, you know, I, I think the record company president at the time was David Sigerson, who had produced the Bangles. I was living at Shannon Tweed's apartment. Dave and I sat and tossed some ideas around. We wrote lyrics together, but the melody and chordal structure came from me. Uh, I had lost my weight at the time. I thought we had become a pop band. Crazy, crazy nights was a big hit in Europe, but I never liked it. Even the record, I didn't like it. And that's when you yeah. started going off. On. Yeah. Okay. I think this is a fucking hidden gem. Yep. I think the riff is absolutely fucking killer. Yep. I love the Gene sexy voice in this, a la Hell or High Water. I love the delivery over the guitar. And then the guitar riff comes in. And then the Bruce fucking uh, fills come in. The chorus is cool. Oh, again, Gene does the hot. He loves the, anytime love that. Hot. I love that. Yep. All right. Another little earworm for us. Yep. Uh, love this line. 
steaming up the window with the radio on. Just the delivery of that. Yep. Fuck. And then the guitar comes in. Oh, oh my god. Oh, it's it's great. Bruce's solo is fucking killer on this. So is the outro. I just put wow. Yeah. This song is just killer. And I have a specific memory of this. Okay. So by this point, I was going back to Detroit a lot. And I'll never forget my cousin Mike. Those guys were fucking loaded back there, living in Oakland County and Michigan in a rich part of fucking all the where all the car developers and manufacturers and stuff live. He had a Corvette. He was in high school flying with a convertible Corvette. Nice. Put this on for me. Like I had crazy nuts. Yeah. And he wanted to impress me. Listen to this. This is my sound system. Got on the highway flying and he played this. Yep. Flying in high school in a Corvette. A fucking convertible and a red fucking convertible playing this song. Nice ace on it. I'll never forget that. Yep. Never. Nice. Oh my god, this song rocks. It does. Um, I just think this is a hidden gem. It fucking kicks ass. It's the epitome of what we say. Fucking underrated Gene songs from the eighties. Yep. Agreed. All right. Let's turn on the night. on the night yeah not a lot to say about this because you guys have been listening to our show and you know that we sing the praises of this song every minute that we can it is anthemic it is just an absolutely spectacularly written pop song we say it all the time should have been an absolute mega hit one of the lost gems in the kiss catalogs in terms of being a hit it's not on any greatest hits albums it's not on any compilations the song is a standout track. You don't even have to be a Kiss fan. And I, I wonder if Kiss fans might even like this more because they're like, oh, wow, I didn't know Kiss could make a song like this. Fucking fantastic. Yes, it has synth. But to me, I think the synth is controlled enough in the style of the song, the attitude of the song. I think it works with the synth. It's just fantastic. It's one of those fatigue free songs for me. I love it. Turn on the night written by Paul Stanley, and Diane Warren. It didn't chart, but it did chart to number 41 in the UK. Mm-hmm. Miraculously, this song is not on the box set. It's not anywhere. Yeah. It was ranked number one by Tom and Zeus from Shout It Out Loudcast, Summer Songs. That's right. Absolutely. Without us talking, without even mentioning it, without knowing how do you rate Summer Songs? How do you do that? We both are like, oh, it's not even close. Yep. Th- this song. It's the ultimate good mood kiss song, in my opinion. Turn on the night. Diane Warren. I hadn't had a lot of hits at the time, 
But Paul had a lot of belief in me. Paul had a good pop sensibility. Paul's a song guy. He's a good writer and he appreciates good songs. I had a lot of fun writing Turn on the Night with him. I thought it would have been a bigger hit than it turned out to be. Yep. Paul Stanley. I'd known Diane before she ever became Diane Warren in capital letters. Laughs. When I was writing songs to Crazy Night, I very much wanted to write a song with her. Diane came up with the title and then we wrote it. She was a very big part of writing that song. Um, yeah, heavy keys, but it works. Just what a fucking groove on this song. Oh, yeah. Paul's lyrical delivery, again, is spectacular. What a get up and jump and have some fucking fun song this is. I'm honestly thinking, and maybe we'll have to come up with it. Is there a catchier fucking kiss chorus than this chorus? I, I, I don't know. I, I, off the top of my head, I, I can't think of anything in terms of putting a smile on your face and like upbeat party, like anthemic shit. This is it, in my opinion. I, I, I can th- think of the sour puss like Charlie Bonante and maybe Lars and fucking. Oh, like, yeah. Like, oh, turn on the night. Oh. That's fucking real music, uh, like laughing at it yeah. and shit. But like thinking this is not the kiss that they want to remember. That's okay. But I think of Chris. Jericho loves this song. We've had these conversations with him how many times yep. about yep. how ridiculous that this song isn't a fucking hit. Yep. It is so catch. I mean, you are a fucking curmudgeon. You make Tony seem like the happiest fucking guy in the world. Tony Musalem our buddy from restraint. If you can't like this song, yep. you are the most miserable fuck. This song makes you feel great. Yep. It is so catchy. Bruce's solo is fucking awesome. Like I said, Paul's on fire on this thing. And then the intro and the, and then Bruce's solo, then it intro. Yeah. Hey, babe. Love the it. Pit of me. It's the epitome, epitome, epitome. When I say I trust Paul, Paul Stanley, to create something that I will like musically more than anybody in the world. This song may be the epitome of that. I agree. Like, think of this stuff. Like, yep. I, 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 like sometimes you hear a one hit wonder and you're like, this is the catchiest fucking song. Well, they must have written something close to this. And you're like, no, they've never come closer. Paul has this constantly. I mean, the, o- the only thing I can think of that this wasn't a hit was because maybe the record company or the band thought it was too similar to crazy nights. So, like, we already released that as a single. Let's not release another night song, anthemic song. I don't know. The way I see this song is this song should be a top Kiss song for Agreed. me. That Kiss fans should be battling all the time. Oh, yeah, of course. Of course, you're talking about uh, Turn on the Night. Yeah, oh, oh of course. That's a right. top. It is a song that you could say, you want to like Kiss? Listen to this. Yep. Tell me you don't like this. Agreed. My kid has listened to this song a few times already. And I'll be like, hey, what do you think of this song? She goes, oh, I like Turn on the Night. Like immediately was like, yeah, that song is fucking catches all. Put it this this way. If you're a fan of pop music, it's kind of impossible to not like this song. And it's got a little bit of a rock to it. Yeah, it does. It's not too poppy. Yep. But it kicks ass. It is so incredible. I just can't fucking. Uh, The video filmed in Worcester Centrum. Yeah, I wonder if we I wonder if we recognize any of the people in that video now. Oh, Holy geez. shit. <laughs> Yikes, look at that. 
That's the fucking guy that used to he is happy in the video. Hey, tickets, please. Tickets. tickets. Please. The blonde smoke show walking around with the terrible fucking special vet graphics that look like oh, somebody's high school project. It's so 87. Yeah. Max headroom type. Fucking, oh, yeah. Oh, just Gene's got the axe base going and the lizard base. Yep. Remember that one? Yep. Yep. Um, Paul's got the American flag guitar. Um, Eric with awesome. the Zeppelin. Eric with the Zeppelin shirt. Imagine that. Uh, Paul patting his ass. He's shaking it. Oh, jeez. And then there th- that awful clip when they all of a sudden, for no reason, they they take the stage and they're now all of a sudden on top of a building and there's yeah, a helicopter. What? It looks like it looks like fucking Godzilla. Yeah. Special effects. Yeah. The videos. You know, I remember it on being on, um, you know, Headbangers Ball, Top Requested. Yeah. The video is big. I can't believe this song didn't do well. It's it amazing. Is, it's yep. such people, critics begrudging. Like, oh, little kiss. Fucking stupid. Yep. Well, let's go to the last track, Tom. In the night, continuing the trend of fucking killer kick-ass Gene Deep Cuts right here. Another great groove. Another song. One of the best bridges into a chorus of a song. When he gets into that thing, when he's saying it's a ritual slaying, and you've got that, and you got the guitar in the background going like this, they just kind of play, and then you get into that chorus. That gang chorus, like a thief in the night. And that, oh my God, the song just rips. I mean, again, another fucking song here by Gene. He gets no credit, and it's probably Paul saying, fuck all those Gene songs. <laughs> um, which is funny because there were three singles released from their, from this album. The B-side on every one of them was a Gene song. Yeah. All the singles were Paul. All the B-sides were Gene. Um, great, great song. Uh, it, 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 like I said, Gene knocks out of the park. We'll get into it when we wrap up our thoughts on the album. Um, 
And then, you know, Zeus, we'll talk about this, but the great Wendy O. Williams had recorded a vicious version of this song. Yep. Even the night, written by Gene Simmons and old friend Mitch Weissman is back. That's right. Yep. The guy that was in that fake Beatles fucking thing. Beatlemania. Yep. Yeah. Uh, again, Wendy O. Williams recorded hers for the 1984 solo album. Now, which gets me to thinking from behind the mask, Gene Simmons, Mitch Weissman, the Paul McCartney lookalike in Beatlemania showed me a chordal piece. I liked it. Suggested a few changes. The song originally written for Wendy O. Williams. She later recorded it. Yep. Mitch Weissman. Theme for the Night was a musical idea I totally finished. Then Gene and I wrote the lyrics. Gene had the title and the lyrical idea very much from a film noir tone. It's like a mystery, a novel kind of song. Yes. Now It's a, it's a better version of Murder in High Heels. Yeah. So <laughs> now here's the other part to this, I think. About yeah. So he said she later recorded it. Her album came out in 84. So, which made me think this album, came, this was probably done about 83, 82, 83. Yep. This song, if you hear it, not that I don't like the way it is now, but if Gene used the demon voice, oh my this God. fits perfectly on Lick It Up. Perfectly on it. Totally, totally. And that fucking imagery of Wasteland and all the shit they were talking about in the videos, like all hell's breaking loose and Lick It Up and fucking Not For The Innocent. It fits perfectly in the lick it up area if Gene used that voice, but because he's using kind of the Gene ooh, ooh, yep. voice, it works on this album. Um, the riff is great. Uh, again, Gene with the smooth vocals, not the demon voice, which I said would work better previously. I love the pre-chorus, as you were saying. Oh, it's your so ritual great. slaying. Yep. The chorus too. It see, it, it's just it's just another fucking deep cut, a gene gem that no one talks about. Bruce, another great solo. The tone is fantastic. Bruce, another fucking outro. That's great. Another fucking, I, I mean, I, I, I love these gene songs on this album. Love yep. them. Yep. And it's just a nice way to cap the end of this, uh, of this album. Thief in the night. Good. Nice, deep cut. Mm-hmm. So that's the album. Let's get to final thoughts before we start ranking these tracks. All right. So my final thoughts on this, I mean, no surprise. We've kind of broken down all the songs um, to me. A couple, couple superlatives, I guess I will say this other than revenge, because revenge for me personally is, is the Holy grail of, of non-makeup kiss. This is by far Gene's best and Bruce's best non-makeup album. It's not even close, in my opinion, as a Kiss fan. That being said, I also think that this is unquestionably Paul's worst non-makeup Kiss album. It's by far, it's not even close. Uh, so I think this is a really, really interesting album. And I'm wondering if that is the reason why nothing is played on tour. That. I think even Paul knows, A, I can't really sing these songs at all because they're in a register that's in the stratosphere. Um, and every single one of these Gene songs is the deepest of deep cuts. Deep cuts. They, they know where to be found. You find them on this album, and that's pretty much it. Um, I, I, I think it's a spectacularly underrated album because when you think of the 80s and Kiss, you think of Paul Stanley, and this is a weak Paul album. 
And I think that's why this album flies under the radar for a lot of Kiss fans. Um, the Paul songs that are popular, they're very mediocre. They're, they're not Tears Are Fallen and not Who Wants to Be Lonely. They're not those songs from Asylum. It's not Heavens on Fire. It's a very mediocre Paul album. And I think that's why it kind of goes under the radar because nobody was paying attention to Gene in the 80s. I love it. I'm a fan of this album big time. And listening to this in preparation for this, for this episode, I was surprised how much I really, really enjoyed it. Tom, for me, this album was a little bit nostalgic. I remember when it came out. I remember dying this. I remember listening to this nonstop. Um, like you, I gravitate to the Gene tracks. Um, we'll see when we do the rankings and stuff. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. Gene and Bruce really stick out. Yep. It's hard, though, because of how much I think Turn On The Night is such an incredible song to give Paul too much shit. But I, I I think this whole album as a whole should be celebrated. Agreed. When I think of the albums that people are like, oh, this is a like a cult status, like Unmask has a cult status. Um, Asylum has a cult status. I'm not sure about Crazy Nights. I think Crazy Nights gets a lot of shit as being like fucking a lot of the old school Kiss fans hated albums that and hot in the shade you know what i think this album suffers from i think this album suffers from one of the worst things that it could be as a kiss album this gets a big meh from a lot of kiss fans there's no passion behind it it's not hot in the shade where me and you will go to the wall to defend it while people say it's terrible it's not lick it up it's not asylum where you have a ton of people who oh i love that era you never hear anybody talk about this album it's very Oh yeah, crazy nights. Eh, there's no passion behind loving it or hating it. It just exists, and I think that's the worst thing you could be as a Kiss album. Music from the Elder is huge in the Kiss world because of the polarization it has. Same with Unmasked. This, it's it just it's just there. Yeah, and that's too bad. It well, is. Tom, let's rank these songs. Let's do it. Number eleven. You want to start, or should I? You can go first this time. I'll fight hell to hold you. Yes. Agreed. Same thing. Number 10. My way. Oh, okay. Uh, I got reason to live at 10. Oh, Tom. Yeah. Sorry. Number nine. Now we're at the, I like these songs. Yep. Bang, bang you. Oh, I got crazy nights at nine. I'm sorry. Crazy, crazy nights at nine. Did you just say super, super, duper, crazy, super, crazy, crazy stupid? <laughs> Number eight, crazy nights. Oh, crazy, crazy night. Get it right. Number eight for me, when your walls come down. Number seven for me, when your walls come down. Number seven for me, my way. Tom, we've each done five songs. Yep. None of them have Gene in them. I was going to save that for the end, but I like the observation you, this far. See where we are? I do. Well, that's going to change here. Number six, Thief in the Night. Ooh. I have number six, Bang Bang You. Uh, number five for me, 
No, no, no. That's my number five. Number four for me, Reason to Live. Really? Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I have Thief in the Night at four. And we're going to have the same top three. I love it. Number three, Hell or High Water. Oh, okay. I got Good Girl Gone Bad at three. Number two, Good Girl Gone Bad. Yep. And Hell or High Water is my two. Could have been reversed, but yep. And then, of course. Number one, Turn on the Night. By far. Yep. So, so let's look at let's look at that top five. You got number one as a Paul Stanley song. For me, two through five, the next four are all Gene songs. The bottom of the album is all Paul for me. I have in the top six only two are Pauls. Yeah. It's a it's it's a bad Paul album. It really is. I'm sorry. And it's a spectacular Gene album. I mean, all of Gene's, the lowest Gene song is number six. Yeah, the lowest gene for me. I have gene at two, three, four, and five. Yep. So underrated. It really, so underrated. It is. I agree. Yep. All right, Tom. What we do next is we compare this to the previous albums reviewed. We have reviewed so far Kiss the Debut, Dress to Kill, Rock and Roll Over, Love Gun, Ace Fraley, <laughs> Gene Simmons, Paul Stanley, Unmasked. Music from the Elder, Creatures of the Night, Animalize, Asylum, now Crazy Nights, Hot in the Shade, Revenge, Cycle Circus, and Monster. All right. You want to read your top five? Where are you putting this for an album cover? Yes, my top five covers right now. Number five, Ace Fraley. Number four, Gene Simmons. Number three, Creatures of the Night. Two, Rock and Roll Over. Number one, Love Gun. I fucking hate this cover for Crazy (laughs) Nights. It's ridiculous. It's terrible. It's really bad. I can't believe I'm saying this, but for Christ's sake, at least Monster has them in their makeup, and it's a terrible album, too, but I'm going to put it right above Animalize. Crazy Nights is going to be second to last. It, I, I got animalized at the bottom, then crazy nights, then monster. Okay. So that's yeah. number 16 for you. Yes. All right. So my top five is rock and roll over love gun. Gene Simmons dressed to kill creatures of the night. I am putting crazy nights. Hmm. Right underneath asylum at number 10. Okay, and you have yours above Monster. Okay. Above Monster, yes. Okay. You like that thong, huh? You giving credit to the back cover? I like the four faces. I like that it's a little bit different. Yeah. I'm not gonna punish them too much. The classic kiss makeup albums, they're not gonna it's not gonna go over that. Yeah, yeah. But I look at is Asylum more iconic for me than Crazy Nights cover? I think it is. Yeah, it because is because of the lipstick and the blue shade and and plus it's so of the time. So I'm going crazy nights as my the 10th so far for us. Okay. Now cool. comes the hardest part. Mm-hmm. Album rank list overall, Tom. Yep. You want to read your top five? Yep. My top five right now at number five, rock and roll over. Number four, kiss debut. Number three, revenge. Number two, dress to kill. Number one, love gun. 
I never, I didn't think I would rank this where I'm ranking it when when we first started this, but um, I like this more than Asylum. I never thought I'd say that, but I like wow. this more. I, I found myself enjoying this. It's a fun friggin' album. It's a fun album, and the Gene songs are just too damn good for me. I am putting this at number nine, under Hot in the Shade, and above Asylum. Wow, so it's, it's it's right in the middle. Yeah, I I, I just I'm. Listening to it, I finally gave it its due. Uh, I love Asylum, uh, but there's a couple skippers on there. There's a couple skippers on Crazy Nights, but the Gene tracks are just standouts for me. So I got it at number nine behind Hot in the Shade. Well, Tom, I think I realized I've been reading them backwards. You went from five to one. I've been one to five, but that's all sorry. That's all right. Uh, Our listeners could pick up on it. I'm going to go with, uh, I'll tell you, my top five is number one is Rock and Roll Over. Number two is Creatures of the Night. Number three is Kiss, the debut. Number four is Revenge. Number five is Love Gun. Where am I putting this fucking album? All right. I am going to do almost something similar to you, but one better. I am putting Crazy Nights. Don't do it. (laughs) Stop. Under Dress to Kill, which was number seven. I'm going to make this number eight and just above Hot in the Shade. What? Yeah, even though I love Hot in the Shade. Crazy Nights better than Hot in the Shade. Hot in the Shade has oh, Hot my in the Shade goodness. has Boomerang. It has Betrayed. Yeah, but it also has uh Read Prisoner, My Body. Prisoner of Love, Read My Body versus the two songs which actually have grown on me, believe it or not, My Way and I'll Fight Hell. It's got that Paul Stanley trifecta on Hot Machine. I know, and I love it. But those trifectas, I don't know right now if I can say that You Love Me to Hate You, King of Hearts, and Silver Spoon, I think I would rather hear Turn on the Night, Good Girl Gone Bad, and Hell or High Water. I really do. That's fair enough. I'll give I, you that. And, and Turn on the Night's the best of all those songs by yeah. far. Yeah. No, you're right. Hot in the Shade for some people. We talk about this all the time. It suffers from the 15 songs, but I, I just love Hot in the Shade. Oh, I agree with you. I think yeah. it's vastly underrated because it's got a lot of really good songs. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I'm going Crazy Nights is number eight. I did not anticipate me having it this high. Yeah. And I know the first thing that anybody's going to ask me to look at my list and be like, dude, you have all these songs. You have Crazy Nights, Hot in the Shade, Music from the Elder, higher than Aces. Dude. Yes. I do. I have crazy nights higher than creatures of the night in Ace Freely. People can be like Freely. Yeah. Fuck those albums. Like I just I can like classic kiss and 80s kiss. That's right. You can carry two thoughts in your head. Yeah. You can't be like, oh, I must like all the classic albums better than anything they ever did. Yep. This is the whole reason why we love kiss. I honestly feel like anybody could take this album and be like, this is a great album. Listen to this. Yep. And the fact that Kiss can pull out a great album in 1987 and in 1977, you gotta, you gotta tip the hat and say, wow, that's right. Well, that was epic. And Tom, it's time for this question of the week. And our question of the week is brought to us by a company where our good buddy and Patreon supporter Joe Decker is part of. Yeah, Fusion Tech. 
Fusion Tech Data and Electric. They are a recognized communications contractor specializing in the construction, splicing, testing, and documentation of all types of fiber optic networks. Along with that, Fusion Tech Electric can service all your electrical construction needs, commercial, industrial, and utility, as well as electrical substation work and all UPS and DC power plant installation. Fusion Tech currently operates throughout the five boroughs of New York City, as well as New Jersey and the tri-state area, providing union labor with IBEW Local 3 in New York City and IBEW Local 164 and Local 102 in New Jersey. For more information about Fusion Tech, please visit FusionTech-LLC.com or call them at 973-650-1357. Yeah, Fusion Tech. And our question of the week comes from another good friend of the show and Patreon supporter and friend, the great Jim Riley. Yeah, Jim. He says, for the hell of it, what is your favorite nickname you have mentioned on the show? Is it Pandemic Paul, Stockbroker Simmons, Cheater Chris, or Fake Fraley? How about the Ripper? Oh, come on. Let's stick to band members. All right. I will tell you, as I mentioned earlier, I was hanging out with Mike Chu. Yeah. From the Pike, WA, not and WAF, the two radio shows, and uh, from the podcast, Long May Young. He said to me at one point today, What's that guy you did that you did like that comedic thing about Paul? What's that thing you did? I fucking died laughing when I first heard that. I go, Pandemic Paul? He goes, Yes. Yes, yeah. that character. I'm like, <laughs> like it was not really a cat. Well, yeah, it is a character. Yeah, so it's got to be pandemic. Paul, everybody knows. Fucking Jericho loves it. Fuck. Uh, actually, Paul, you didn't hear that. Uh, Casada loves it. Yeah. Everybody I know that knows it loves it. Yeah, it's 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 pandemic. Paul. Now, that being said. Nothing is more fun than being like, yeah, cheetah, Chris, yeah, fake A's, <laughs> fake really like shouting that out. That's funny. Yeah. But in terms of like a character name, it's Pandemic Paul by far. I like doing Ace Fraley. That's that is that is slowly <laughs> rising for me in terms of yeah, yeah. and it's F R A H dash L E Y. Yeah, and the other one is a good one that wasn't mentioned though. Um, Private Cusano. Private Cusano is a good one. That is a good one. Yeah. Lots of good names here. But Jim, we love you, buddy. Thank you for the question. And thank you for all you do for the show. You're uh, you're a big fan and a a good friend. And we uh, we thank you for your support, Jim. So thanks for the question. Love Jim Riley. Great guy. Absolutely. Yep. So, Tom, where can people find us? Uh, you can find us on our spectacular new website. Uh, we're, ver- we're very proud of that. Shoutitoutloudcast.com. You can go there for all your Shout It Out Loudcast needs, all your ARC album review crew and Zeppelin Chronicles, which that new one for Zeppelin 2 just dropped. You can check out all of our rankings, all of our episodes. You can comment. You can send us direct messages through the website, which we love. We've gotten a few of those. We read them during feedback. So please go on there. You can buy some merch. You want some shout out loudcast stuff? Click on the merch link. Boom. You're right there. You can check out all of our other friends, other links. It's a great website. We put a lot of work into it. So check it out. Have some fun with it. 
And uh, of course, you can also use our email, shoutitoutloudcast at gmail.com. Please send us emails, questions, comments, all that good stuff, feedback, whatever. If you don't want your email read during the show, just please be specific about that because sometimes we we do we do read them uh, during the show. Sometimes people like to keep their comments private, and we respect that. So that's cool. And of course, social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram are very active on all those. You can comment, tag, get involved, do whatever. Uh, try not to have a three day conversation on our Twitter page that is going to result in ninety three notifications. We love you guys, we do, but you know we're going to be a little bitchy here for a minute. It gets a little crazy when it's like, yeah, great song. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, when did you buy that album? Yeah, I bought. Oh, yeah, me too. Next thing you know, I open up Twitter. 9,000 things of just boom, 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 boom. Yeah. We love you guys, but we're bitching. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love getting tagged in fucking a million polls that are polls that are about shit that we just did from other people wonderful. who don't listen to the show. Yeah, that's wonderful. Thanks. Thanks for taking our ideas and making polls of them. And they, wow, we have all these friends now. Wonderful. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, uh, Tom, people can DM us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We like those. We do get back to you as much as we can. But feel free to reach out. We always enjoy them. Uh, You can subscribe to our YouTube. YouTube channel uh that uh, as we say we our next dip is 600 we're almost there so keep yeah. pushing it get us to 600 and then i'll be nagging you for seven and then eight and then a thousand and two thousand <laughs> and then we keep going anyway um you can give us one of those five star, star. child reviews on apple itunes on spotify on uh podchaser.com on Good pods. That's another good one out there now. If you want to listen to those good pods, is another good place to find us on wherever you can give us a five star child review, even on Facebook. So, whatever you do, we really appreciate those. And I think we actually got one, Tom. And we did just get a new one, Tom. And let's uh, let's read this one. Okay. What do we got? What do we got there? What do we got? And this one says, Best Kiss Podcast. Eva with okay. a bunch of H's. So I'm wondering if it's a Bostonian. Now, I have been part of the Kiss Army for over 30 years. And I recently found this podcast. And all my Kiss dreams have been fulfilled. Tom and Zeus crack me up every time. And I love the Shout It Out Loud cast community so much. <laughs> this can't be right. This can't be real, dude. Keep going. I'm <laughs> Read it. I'm a fat corn farmer. A fat what? Corn farmer. Corn farmer? From Iowa. And this podcast (laughs) brings a smile so big to my face that my five chins (laughs) turn into 20. Peace out, Girl Scout. From Baby Sam Sam, the man man. Hey, whether that's real or not, I love it. Thank you for the five-star review, but you're a fat corn farmer from Iowa. Okay. Tom, it reminds me of someone, I think Super 70s guy on Twitter put up the photo of those two fat twins on the motorcycles. They were, they, 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 yeah, they were on their way to Creatures Fest. Yeah, so I put I saw it. Fantastic. <laughs> and it became the first podcasters in there. <laughs> 
Sam Sam the Bam Bam Man, whatever the fuck it was. Baby Sam Sam the Man Man. Oh, God, I love it. Well, thank you for that, because that's fantastic. (laughs) Thanks for for giving us the extra details of saying you're a fat corn farmer. (laughs) I love it. Okay, thank you. Oh, well, keep those coming we love the reviews we really appreciate it keep that five star child review streak going thank you guys now tom also we uh i like to repeat the website and yep. the email our email is shouted out loudcast at gmail.com shouted out loudcast at gmail.com the the website is shouted out loudcast.com shouted out loudcast.com Again, as we always say, you can get merch there. You can look at our recent rankings, this ranking, the Zeppelin rankings, where our albums are. Feel free to comment on it. That's what it's there for. That's why we put the effort in there so you guys can uh, look at this stuff and get involved. We always appreciate it. So we thank you for that. And, uh, Tom, we always like to end with famous last words. Oh, yeah. Hands up, reach for the sky. I'll treat you good because I'm a bad guy. If love's a crime, I've got a hundred schemes. I'll be the villain in your book of dreams. Ooh, I'm a bad guy. Ooh, I'm a bad guy. I'm a villain. Ooh, bad boys. Ooh, ooh, bad bad boy got my blue thong. Ooh, bad boy thong. Ooh. You say, I want to wait until I'm really sure. And I want to love to last forevermore. And I've got my pride. I've got my dignity. Well, you'll swallow everything when you're with me. That's a pickup line we'll be using at Creatures Fest. <laughs> yes. <laughs> at the buffet. Um, oh, I'll be swallowing that <laughs> sub. <laughs> you got any grinders here? <laughs> Would everybody stand back so I can take a photo? And please, I'm going to be in the black room and leaving a watermark cross mark on every photo for you to enjoy for your enjoyment. <laughs> Sorry, I dropped some fucking sauce on your fucking photos. Tom, thank you. Kiss Army, thank you. Loud casters, thank you. Guys, you're the best. Thank you so much. Can't wait to hear what people think about Crazy Nights. I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of differing opinions on this, so we can't wait to hear it. Thank you. And Zeus, as always, my friend, thank you. Peace out, Girl Scout. The problem is I can't remember the things I did when I was loaded.